What's up, Whisper Nation? We're back with another Mock Draft Monday. This time we got another special guest, Ryan Weiss from the Fantasy uh, Club Fantasy FFL is with us, and we're doing a 12-team half-point PPR dynasty startup this week. So we're excited to get some rookie talk in there, some dynasty talk with our guy Ryan right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. That's right. Mock Draft Monday back in action. If you guys are new to the Fantasy Whispers, please hit a like, hit a subscribe. Let us know that you're joining Whisper Nation in the chat below. I am Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I am joined by, as always, by Johnny Game Time Hicks. You can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. But today and, and soon we're going to have Austin on here, I, I believe. We're just having a little bit of technical difficulties there. But we're joined by Ryan Weiss, who we've had on a couple times before. Ryan, you can find him on Twitter at the Fantasy Five. Ryan, how you doing today, brother? Fantastic. I appreciate you guys uh, having me live on the show. I was kind of talking with Johnny before that. I think I've been in quite a few of these lately since you guys have started them back up. Um, but normally I'm just the anonymous face in the chat with the mustache. Now you guys got to actually hear yeah. me talk, talk trash about it. It's all a these beautiful players. mustache. I'm glad to have it on. Live I trimmed again. it down. That's... It's not it's not full curl right now, but it'll be ready for the fantasy season. So. All right. That's good. We, <laughs> we'll have you on for the mock draft marathon. We oh, yeah, hope that yeah, it's in right. pristine <laughs> pristine condition for that absolutely uh, a, yeah that's a requirement hey, um, i have no faith or i have i have no doubt that it will be ready I, ryan is a man of his word that's right i'm oh, actually yeah. gonna put it on my calendar now that it better be <laughs> sheer perfection set a timer on phone. Yeah. uh so ryan just quickly i i told him where they can find you on twitter what is it that you're doing out there in the industry we know you're all over the place obviously we met you through club fantasy ffl who we've yeah done some partnership with before but what what are you doing right now and what's your off-season grind looking like uh main gigs are i am a writer for the fantasy footballers i think i'm heading into my fifth maybe sixth year of doing that when when they first brought on their first set of writers i'm a part of their first set of writers so great group of guys over there everybody knows the ballers great organization to work with um just this past year met up with josh and all those guys over at club fantasy josh and joe and had done so many shows with them they said you know the chemistry is great let's go ahead and bring you on as a co-host so for about a year now i've been doing that with them my off-season grind i mean right now i'm starting very very early on with my projections basically trying to figure out how many uh runs per game and passes per game because you have to now project a 17th game schedule instead of a 16 game schedule which is changing everything up um but one thing i want to plug while we get going is uh today is international women's day and we did a big kick uh, last summer with the hashtag women of fantasy football WOFF. Uh, you can actually see it behind me here. Um, and so we started a second podcast called the speakeasy, which is run by Linda uh, at Lindellians. And so we, from the speakeasy account are highlighting a bunch of the fabulous women, women in our industry. I would love for people to go check out those tweets. Um, it is at the speakeasy FF. I think it's great. I think we need to uplift women in this industry and I think it's a a cool thing we're doing and i'm loving every bit of it right on we appreciate that so make sure whisper nation you get out and take a look at what ryan's talking about there and we will retweet that out and get that up on our page that. too you guys make already sure have we, a few uh, of them you've been killing it so yeah so we'll make sure <laughs> we'll make sure we get uh going on that but yeah it's a it's an important point to recognize the women in our industry and recognize the women in our life in general so we appreciate that indeed i'm a stay-at-home dad because my wife is amazing so <laughs> yeah you're already doing it on a daily we love that's that that's right 
Well, welcome in Austin Sear, who is joining us here on the live. We got him in. Technical difficulties be damned. Austin, how are you doing, brother? Man, I'm happy to be here with you, Big Travi and Johnny Game to Mix. And Ryan, man, it's been a What's while up, since Austin? the mock draft yes. marathon. Yeah, how are you doing? How's the kids? Fantastic. Uh, he's doing great. Uh, just finished up the school day. Uh, we almost had one of my alarms go off right in the middle of the show. So we had to, no homework check today. But all in all, everybody's doing great. Thanks for checking in, Austin. Yeah, definitely, man. Good to see you here. So well, we're Austin, doing our- yeah, yeah also, I was just going to say, I took over a little bit for you, but I'll, by all means, let Whisper Nation know again what we're doing here. We've got a full dra- draft and everything. Yeah, dude, I'm so excited about this. We have not gotten to do much Dynasty action, and we're doing a 12-team half-point PPR startup. Dynasty startup mock draft. So anybody's listening who's not totally familiar, that's the number one draft you'll do for your Dynasty League. It's when Every player is on the board, and every subsequent year then you are just drafting rookies and guys that people had dropped or that were on the free agent, not players that are actually on other league managers' rosters. So that's a 12-team half-point PPR. We got the entire room full, Johnny. Good job. Yeah. You guys ready to start? Let's do it. All right. Hitting that start button. Easy daddy loving love he loves that number one spot or like the one, two, or three. Always mocking from those from that spot, but gotta love him. You gotta I, I expect gotta Well, I'd say you have to expect right. probably in one of his home leagues, he already knows he has that early pick, so he's trying to figure yeah. out like what it's gonna look like for him. So. Ryan, I'm really just, curious to hear on your takes of, of who just is the start. I don't know if Travis got a point I want to hear on this one, but I'm just so so legitimately curious as who is the correct choice at the top of a dynasty startup right now is it is it dk metcalf is it christian mccaffrey still what are you thinking right now it's 100 percent christian mccaffrey i mean i understand last year was a rough year but last year was a rough year on a bad team and you have to expect that team's going to improve he's not old by any stretch of the word way to go easy daddy Um, (laughs) (laughs) he's not old by any stretch of the word he's going to get it done and more importantly he gets it done running and in the passing game. So every bit of it works out really, really well. Um, I, I'm not at least on the first half of the draft. And there was, a, that was part of the reason I took this one, three was I'm not big into grabbing a wide receiver that early. And especially right now with the questions around Russell Wilson, I would not be mm. jumping to grab DK Metcalf at all. So not a bad take. I know Juju was so popular the year that we started our record, our dynasty record league. And it's like, just a young guy who came off a great year. And now look at it. And now look at it. Yeah, yeah, not the same kind of situation. I also feel like, and we talk about this a lot in redraft, wide receivers are so plentiful. And while in a dynasty startup, that that means not quite as much. What it does mean is the trade market after the draft is wide open for wide receivers. You see Mm. wide receivers traded far more than you see running backs traded. So uh, the fancy football therapist right here saying, man, how'd these folks get in? They followed us on Twitter at TF Whispers, and then they got that link. And that's what everybody here can do. If you have not already liked and subscribed to the YouTube channel, to the Twitter page, Instagram page, make sure you do. Mainly because we get a lot of the links and the engagement going. We want we want to have you join us. So follow on Twitter and you'll get the links to our mock draft every Monday coming out. Um, and jump into the, the mock draft with us. We'd love to draft alongside of uh, fellow fantasy football fans and members of Whisper Nation. 
and uh, it's been getting more and more full. I remember we did this a couple of weeks ago, and it was about half full, and now it's getting full like an hour before we even get started. So just follow on Twitter, and you can be a part of the action with us. Maybe Ryan, will, maybe we'll see Ryan again. Oh, you'll definitely uh, see me again. I was just going to say, I even when I'm that. not invited on the show, I like to jump into these. My, <laughs> my Monday afternoons are pretty wide open, and I've talked about this with you guys before. There's no better tool than a mock draft for just everything. You're going to start to see where guys who you value go in the draft, so you know if you need to take them around earlier than you planned on taking them, because ADP can only get you so far. Seeing it live in action is really going to provide the best experience. That's it, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. We got we got a bunch of comment. We're killing it on the comments, Matt, with the Devonte Adams reach. <laughs> LOL. Hey, what we like to say around here is when people do that, they're just reach, reach for your for guy. Your guy. You go. <laughs> Love that one. He's also saying Metcalf is so overrated. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that. I, think I wouldn't he's a go beast. that far. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, who, what what clown just? Uh, excuse me. What, what, <laughs> what fine gentleman? What? Yeah. What? 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 Novice just said the. See, there's a thing, right. and I could. And I'd love to be talked off the ledge on this one, but for me, DK Metcalf is a far outlier, and he came in. Some people said he should be the number one drafted rookie. We know he didn't go to the end of the second, start of the third round, and a lot of this had to do with the perceived route tree. He just wasn't a developed receiver. We knew his physicals, his intangibles were through the roof or, or those hard numbers, but maybe the intangibles actually were what needed to be worked on. We saw him throw cornerbacks to the ground. We're talking like Stefan Gilmore level of cornerbacks. He's as fast as Tyreek Hill. He's as tall as a freaking Oak tree, dude. <laughs> yeah. And he can play all different kinds of positions. Like why isn't this the number one wide receiver that we should be targeting? I'll tell you why I want I, I, I will tell you why, because I'm so excited. I know Ryan will probably has a perspective on this, but I can honestly say because I've had this debate with a lot of people because I was so ingrained. I wanted the Cardinals to get DK so badly. And guess what? It's because he slipped. He slipped on the three cone drill. And because of that, everyone was like, oh, he's not agile. He can't. He's not elusive. He's not going to be a good wide receiver because he can only run uh, the nine route. Uh, and, and that's the only thing he's good for. When I said that Seattle, him going to Seattle was was really great for him as a player because great coaches put really good players. And I think that DK is, you know, a really good to great player. And then they put them in the best position to succeed. And that's what makes them a superstar. And that's what Pete Carroll has done with Seattle. And you can see him, he's just maturing. And like I said, a lot of people thought because they saw him slip in a three cone drill and that he wasn't elusive and agile. But when you look at the numbers, what's funny is he actually had a very comparable time to Larry Fitzgerald, who, by the way, is one of the all-time greats in the history of the NFL at wide receiver. Yeah, so Matt's saying here, yeah, he only runs a deep route and has a case of the drops. He's A.J. Brown better than D.K. Metcalf. Sure, like you could make an argument talent-wise, route tree-wise. You could you could go into that argument. But I think, you know, to Ryan's point earlier, the and, and Matt even said it, if no Russell Wilson, Metcalf barely a wide receiver too. Yeah, there's some there's some validity to that argument. Let's say we're just saying though, 
who's the better prospect for dynasty, what we're drafting in right now, then you have to take into account that Russell Wilson is there. You have to take into account that Russell Wilson throws the best deep ball, the most profitable deep ball in the NFL. And that matched up with DK last year. They were both on a world beater pace until the line and, and, and Russell's interception issues came to play. I think DK Metcalf is, you know, easily a top, the top wide receiver in dynasty, in my opinion, if you're looking at it just prospect wise, but yeah, those are the arguments you want to try and make. Like what does situation play into the in the whole, uh, but the, the fact, whole and I know this isn't the DK Metcalf show over here or anything, but we <laughs> had talked a lot about Russell Wilson struggling, you know, after the second half and maybe even a little bit before last season. And Tyler Lockett took a major dive, and DK Metcalf fell as well. But both of these wide receivers were top five wide receiver when Russell when Russell Wilson was cooking as hot as he was, and then when he fell off. DK Metcalf was no longer a top three wide receiver, but he was still putting up numbers that were allowing you to get it done. I mean, the last three weeks of the season were dog crap with 4.3, 5.9, and 2.1 points in standard output. But, you know, double digits going all the way up and just that ceiling is is so high um, for him. It's it's Even if you switch the quarterback, it's like he's still – the quarterback is not why he was able to throw Stephon Gilmore to the ground. I don't care who the quarterback is from that perspective, but. And that's the thing is a lot of the, when you say a guy's a deep threat only, I'm thinking specifically about Tyreek Hill is the, the going sentiment. And it's usually true is you have a guy press him and you have a guy cover him deep and you can stop him. That doesn't work against DK. Cause if you have a guy press him, that guy gets thrown on his butt. And now all of a sudden he's one-on-one with a safety that has no chance of covering him. And so calling him a deep threat only is, is not exactly fair because if you try to just take away that deep route, he's going to kill you in the intermediate routes because that safety is going to be too far back after he's done beat up that corner at the line. Um, and you guys hit the exact point was Russell Wilson was the perfect situation for DK Metcalf to land in because he was going to need a hyper accurate quarterback that understood the game. And no matter your thoughts on Russell Wilson, and obviously he's fallen off the last couple of seasons at towards the end of the season, I mean to say, um, he has one of the best brains that we've seen out of a quarterback in fantasy in, in football in general for years. He understands the game like no one else. And that was exactly what DK needed because he wasn't polished, but he's certainly a diamond. So mm-hmm. well, what a great about- saying <laughs> wasn't polished, but certainly is a diamond Woo! fire. We got unpolished and polished diamonds, right? That's right. Like, and maybe that's a good question here, Ryan. I, I want to pick your brain while we've got it here on what players right now are unpolished diamonds. Or, and then maybe on the same side, who may be fool's gold? Like who's fool's gold looking shiny, looks real nice, but at the core of that, it's just cheap metal. And then on the other side, it looks just like a rock, but it's just an unpolished diamond actually. Maybe you're one quarterback away or a developmental push from really impressing the entire league. Well, I'm going to throw a guy out to start that it's going to be interesting calling him an unpolished diamond, and he actually falls along the same lines of DK. And it's a guy – we actually talked about him, I think, in the last mock draft chat, and I think I talk about him with you guys every time I'm on this show. I'm, of course, talking about Terry McLaurin. Mm. Terry McLaurin has done what he's done with no quarterback. And, I mean, I understand Alex Smith is the greatest comeback story in the history of football and all that. Um he still was awful if you go and just look at the raw numbers. And so McLaurin is a guy much like DK that if a real quarterback lands there, and I was hoping so bad it was going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he is announcing his potential retirement today, which is just heartbreaking for everything that I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Terry McLaurin is a guy who I really do feel like that if he's given a proper quarterback and a proper second weapon across from him, he is going to be a problem in this league. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm talking top five every year problem because he was pushing top 10 last year with just absolute nothing at quarterback. Um, Fool's gold is hard because I don't necessarily hate anybody this early in the year yet but give me a few seconds here (laughs) i'll try to find somebody (laughs) i hate um i'll tell you someone who i'm worried about uh we saw amari cooper all of a sudden last year be very very consistent and i find that interesting just that out of nowhere when he's on a team with the best wide receiver core he's ever had he's all of a sudden finding consistency and we just saw cd lamb go off the board And I think you're going to see a lot of growth out of CeeDee Lamb next year. And then, of course, you want Dak Prescott back. But if Dak Prescott's back on a one-year franchise tag, you have to wonder about the preparation and what he's going to do and just everything about the – just the chemistry of the team. So Amari Cooper is a guy who I think we could start to see creep up draft boards, maybe not necessarily in dynasty, but definitely redraft where he could easily revert back to his ways of one good game. Every three weeks, you never know when to start him. Um, You bench him on his good weeks. You start him on his bad weeks. And he just becomes a nightmare of a roller coaster in fantasy football. So he's a guy who 1100 yards still finishes overall looking good, but you're like, why do I feel like it was a big L taking this guy? Yeah, the end of the year stats don't line up with what you actually got from him. And you brought up Tyler Lockett earlier, and that's a big one where if you strictly look at end of the year stats, you're going to be like, Tyler Lockett was great. Why is everyone hating on him? But then when you look and see that he got all of his points from three games, it's like, okay, well, he won me three weeks, which is awesome. But he also had seven yeah. weeks, I think, below 10 fantasy points. And that's not what you want out of a wide receiver one, borderline wide receiver two. Yeah, uh, Johnny are- just did a great job breaking that one down and on our YouTube channel in a video yes. we did for the, the wide receivers. So I, I'm glad you brought it up here because, look, I admittedly was a Tyler Lockett over DK coming into last year. I said it a bunch that of times. And what, you, and what you had to do is take that medicine and go, okay, that's not what happened. DK is clearly the number one, and he's not, and he's going to be more consistent likely because of the, the style of routes he runs and the way that Russ just looks at him. And those are all great points. Make sure you do like and subscribe to the Fantasy Whisper so you can catch those daily bits of content coming your way. I do want to do a quick rundown of all the players that we've drafted now coming up to the end of the third round for our listeners. We started off with Christian McCaffrey at the 1-1, followed by Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, first wide receiver gone, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes to close out the first. We saw the second start up with D.K. Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Ezekiel Elliott, Stephon Diggs, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Austin Eckler, Travis Kelsey, Miles Sanders, Cam Akers, Najee Harris to close out the second. And the third round began with Jamar Chase, incoming rookie, followed by Josh Jacobs, DeAndre Hopkins, Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Thomas, George Kittle, second tight end gone, then Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Kyler Murray, third quarterback. And I will close out the third round here with making a selection in just a second. But um, any – yeah. I do have a a comment here. The Cat's Pajamas said, I've never been in a dynasty league. I'm looking to join one this year. How many rounds are usually in a startup draft? So um, we'll get everyone's uh, opinion on this, but – uh, in this mock draft, we do have 16 rounds. Typically, they are a little bit more, but to conserve some time, I cut it off at 16 rounds with no defense or kickers, just FYI. Um, but, you know, Ryan, do you want to talk about uh, your dynasty leagues and how many players you typically have in yours? I- 
I feel like I typically run 22 to 25. Um, mm-hmm. And then after the rookie draft, now we usually end up doing a practice squad as well. Um, most of the leagues I'm in, only rookies can go to the practice squad. So you basically can hold them there and see what you have for a year. Um, I'm in leagues where the practice squad locks during week one. And I'm also in leagues where the practice squad is wide open the whole year. So I use I use that as a super cheaty way where I'll try to keep one practice squad roster open if I have a really good rookie. And then on his bye week, I'll throw him down there so I can add somebody off of waivers, maybe trade that guy later on where I I kind of play games with that if I can move them both ways. Um, But I would say somewhere 20 to 25, 20 even seems low. So 22 to 25 is what most of my leagues run. And do you find yourself enjoying larger rostered leagues or smaller rostered ones? We had a conversation in our own dynasty league about increasing the number. And I think we did. We went from 21 to 25 players on our roster. And then there's always the talks of let's bump it up to 30. And then you get folks who says, no, let's keep the waiver wire a little more exciting. Let's drop it down to 15. You said 21 to 25, but do you kind of lean more towards having expanded rosters makes for a better overall dynamic in your dynasty or less in a hotter waiver wire is a better dynamic? So here's where you run into the big question of do you have the right dynasty managers? Because a larger roster in an active league is far better because you're talking Mm. trades. You have things moving all of the time. If you're in a league where not a lot of people are making offseason moves, you definitely want smaller rosters because you do want that waiver wire, especially if you're someone who is serious about it. You want to be able to at least do something. And maybe that something is grabbing James Robinson before the rest of your league even knows who he is. Whereas if you're running in a 30 player league, some nobody might have accidentally auto picked James Robinson. And now he's sitting there on the practice squad and doing absolutely nothing. And so that's a case where you can go either way. For me, I'm in every dynasty league I'm in is with people in the industry. So everybody's super active. Everybody's super knowledgeable. I like the bigger rosters, but I will say when you're in a league with a bunch of people from the industry, it's also really intimidating, like trying to trade because like everybody has their certain value on a player. And sometimes you feel like you're just completely insulting somebody with a trade offer. I don't care if I insult someone with a trade offer, but it it can happen because everyone's going to have their specific value on a player. And maybe your offer, what you think is great for them, isn't quite as what they expected to get for that. That's, that's a really interesting question, Ryan. I would love to hear if you had any stories on inside your industry leagues of how a trade conversation kind of kind of goes down. You know, in in a in a, in a regular league, people are all over the board in terms of acumen and understanding, and they might do a crazy deal, and they might just like because they love a guy for some weird reason or they might not know about it. But I actually imagine there might be things in an, a, a high level of knowledge league where people also might like overly inflate a certain guy because of look at this one stat or, or whatever it might be. So one thing that really happens is we find out who, um, just to use a common phrase in the industry now, we find out who everybody's my guys are. And so if you end up with somebody else's favorite player, you're definitely going to try to take them in a trade. So you're if it's not somebody you're really, really high on, I'll use for another example, Terry McLaurin. Uh, Matthew Betts and I, uh, with he's with Ball Blast Football, the fantasy footballers, everywhere you've ever looked for the fantasy PT um, both loved McLaurin last year. So in any league where he got McLaurin, I knew I was not going to even make a trade offer for him. But in a league where I got McLaurin, I would offer him a trade offer, but I'd ask for way too much back. And a lot of times the, the reply text was, I understand what you're doing, but it's way too much. Um, 
I'm in a lot of leagues with uh, Nate Hamilton, former fantasy footballers writer, huge Cowboys fan. I actually almost was going to send him out an offer today to try to get Ezekiel Elliott. And I realized there's nothing I was going to be able to offer him that was going to land him Ezekiel Elliott. But last year I tried to offer him Tony Pollard, but I asked for way too much back. And I wish I could remember the exact trade, but his exact words were, I love the Cowboys, but that's far too much. And I'm like, well, I have to try. And he's like, oh, I get it. And so like you really, because fantasy football analysts are so open about who they love and who they hate it it makes things very interesting and you can do this in a regular league as well uh give me a second here uh you can do this in a regular league as well where if you know a guy's favorite team i'm from northeast ohio bunch of browns fans if i land a browns player i immediately start shopping that guy in week one because i know his value to them is way more than what it is for me and in the industry as i just brought up we write articles about these guys so if you hate a guy and then you accidentally had to draft him because he was the best player available at that position i've read your i hate that guy article i'm gonna go after him and offer you something super cheap for him and the exact vice versa if i know you overvalue a guy a big guy last year was dj moore who i just drafted recently on this uh, mock draft i was not as high on dj moore as a lot of other people so but i ended up with him a lot and if i ended up with him i was definitely sending out the offers to mm. all these people who i saw with tweets every week about how dj moore was a hidden wide receiver one I think, yeah i think i think that that's genius which is in part why uh so austin and i have been in trade talks for you know going on like you know 10 months now uh <laughs> and uh they all center around basically the same kind of core but then we we keep changing some parts or whatever and uh one of the one of the pieces that i really really wanted was terry mclaurin and austin draft him and it came to the point where i just realized round of our startup league too I, I just realized that there's no wow. way that I'm going to be able to get him because Austin knows how much I love him and he he loves him as well, but he knows. Uh, and so I just stopped including him as part of the trade offers because I know there's no way I'm going to get him. So, yeah, it you just kind of get a feel for for these players. We know what you're doing here, Johnny. This is what they call on air baiting Austin into like a better yeah. offer. Oh, well, I do that on. No, I do yeah. that in every show where I'm in with a league mate. You have yeah. to. You try to get, I try to yeah. get the deal oh, done on air. You know, I know, I know. Austin, <laughs> it's, that, it's that reverse psychology, Ryan. He's like, I know Austin doesn't want to trade me, Terry McLaurin. So I'll just <laughs> give up now. Don't tell me this. No, but Ryan, I'm curious. This on that bit of reverse psychology, calling their bluffs out. Are people in the industry? fully transparent with who they like like for instance we all play this game because we love this game but we also know that sometimes releasing your guys puts either a target on your back or takes away from from your from from who you're targeting are people in the industry more transparent like i tell you this is my guy and i really do like this guy or do they use a little bit of smoke and mirrors to to drive up engagement or you know, to say something that's a more or interesting point, but maybe not how they would actually draft if it was for a league of record they cared about. That's actually an excellent question, Austin. And I'm not just saying that it's hilarious because before you had even joined, Johnny and I were actually talking about this before the show. So um, in my home leagues, before I get into the industry, in my home leagues, when I started my first blog that eventually led to the fantasy footballers, 
I had a friend, we were both super competitive in the league. And he's like, you're giving away all of your secrets. And I'm like, they're not secrets. I talk about these players all the time. I'm just bored now. And I want other people to read about these players. And then I joined a new league this year. And the first thing I did was I put my Twitter handle out there. And I said, look, I write about fantasy football. If you guys want to know who I love and you want to know who I hate and you want to try to get me in trades, I'm, I'm very honest. Go go look at this blog. Go look at my Twitter feed. You're going to find out every player I love and every player I hate. And my buddy who invited me to the league is like, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, why not? First of all, I want the followers. I'm not an idiot. Like, that's what we're here for. <laughs> but I, I don't know if I'm lucky. I have never at least personally interacted with an inauthentic fantasy analyst. Mm. If we love somebody, we are not afraid to share that. And I think it comes down to, and I think every one of you would agree with me here, we want to be right. So if I love Terry McLaurin and I don't tell anybody and then come back after the end of the season, like Terry McLaurin was my wide receiver number one all along. And you're like, no, he wasn't like you've done a (laughs) hundred podcasts between now and then. And you never brought him up one time. But if I wrote an article and this is the thing I always kind of hold over Bet's head because we were kind of competing for his love last year. I wrote the first article about Terry McLaurin last year. And I'm like, Terry McLaurin is my guy, dude. Like, you don't get him. I get him. (laughs) And so that's just like the fun of it. So I think it's more about we all want to be right. But we all also, having done this, most of us for a very long time, also understand you're wrong way more than you're right. So, like, if someone's yeah. wrong, we don't go cutthroat at it. Like, uh, he just got drafted. I was very wrong about Mark Andrews last year. And it's funny to say that a guy who finished at tight end four, I believe, I was wrong about. But I legit thought he could take Travis Kelsey's crown, and he was nowhere near that. Nobody's come at me hard about being wrong about Mark Andrews, even though I had him in a ton of leagues, but no one's making me any trade offers for him either because they knew he was my guy last year and this, that, and the other. So I've never really met an inauthentic analyst where they're pushing guys they don't truly believe in. Um, You're going to obviously have clickbaity titles and things like that, but when you get into the reading, you can tell who people believe in and who they don't believe in as long as – Again, it's someone you get to know, you get to trust, things like that. You surround yourself by good people, you usually get good information. So, It was an interesting point that you bring that one up there of wanting to be right and how oftentimes we're wrong. I learned a couple of years ago to just be authentic with my advice because when I would try to bait someone into going a different direction, I felt like every time I was wrong on that and I ended up giving them great advice and they followed through on a guy that was like, darn. And then when I would be honest about it, maybe it worked out in my favor. Actually, I like the cleanest one. It's a different league, but in a fantasy basketball league two years ago, I really wanted Ben Simmons and my partner Chelsea took him right before because I'd said how much I wanted Ben Simmons. And that left me with Luka Doncic who ended up being such a better player. Worked out fantastically. Just just be honest with it because you don't know anyways, but lying and then having the the dog outcome come on the other side, it feels even worse. Well, and one thing I'll throw out to that is, imagine the two-mindedness you'd have to be. When a person asks me just a sit-start question, I'm just thinking if both of these players on my team, who would I start? Like I couldn't imagine trying to think it to another level where I'm like, Oh, do I actually like this player more? Like it's just so hard. That's where being authentic makes your life so much easier. If you are who you are, it's going to go very, very well for you. Uh, I think it was uh, Mike Lou on Twitter just a few weeks ago, Mike me up said these exact words that if you are being yourself, if you're the same person on camera that you're not, or that you are off camera, this isn't that hard of a job because you're not lying all the time. Lying is way harder than telling the truth. It's hard. You got to construct all these like all fake pillars and keep them up. And it just is easy 
for it to collapse if you're not all the way on top. I'm not smart enough to lie. So I just try not there to you go. <laughs> too much mental we got, energy. We have some uh, really cool questions coming in and I wanted to actually touch on them. So I'm going to flash them on the screen here because um, uh, there's something that I think will be a very common theme throughout the entire off season. And that is, um, so we, we have some like, do just reach hard on four straight rookies. Um, you know, there, and then we have, we're talking about, um, you know, the second year running backs. I'm trying to find, apologize. I'm trying to find the comment, uh, but somebody wanted us to rank these uh, RB, uh, the, the sophomore here, rank the sophomore running backs. Uh, you saw them earlier go, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, JK Dobbins, Cam Akers, uh, and then AJ Dillon followed uh, in a couple of rounds. And I think that that is going to be a very common theme uh, question, not only for uh, the second, the reason why you will generally see rookies and second year running backs go a little sooner than maybe a normal draft is because this is a dynasty startup uh, draft. So generally you want to get the younger guys um, or some people do, some people don't, some people don't do rookies at all. And they uh, like to get those down the road. Um, but that is one reason why running backs are going in in the order that they are or maybe earlier than they normally would. But let me ask you, Ryan, because uh, we kind of touched on this last week's show. I want to I want to pick your brain. Rank those second year running backs because they're clearly going in this, you know, mid to second uh, to the early third. What are your rankings on those guys? Um, Jonathan Taylor's heads and tails ahead of everybody for me. Um, the reason I made the, I chose the one three here was there were three running backs I wanted. And I thought Taylor was actually going to be the guy who was there for me at three. And he went at two. Uh, so Taylor is heads and tails. The number one for me, I would probably put uh, JK Dobbins with the release of Mark Ingram as the number two. Um, there's going to be guys. I forget Deandre Swift would have been so much higher if that team wasn't falling apart around him. Mm -hmm. Um, I think CEH is going to have a bounce back, but I would probably put, if I'm not forgetting anybody, I think I would put cam acres number three. Then just because the offense CEH Deandre Swift, and I'd throw Zach Moss in there at six. I don't think I'm forgetting any. Well, I mean, there's James Robinson. If I knew James Robinson had the job next year, um, I think he would jump up to number three on the list pretty easily for me, even ahead of Cam Akers. Um, but yeah, that's a, definitely JT and Dobbins first for me. And then it's a big lump in the middle, depending on what you're looking for, it, for the rest of them, to be perfectly honest. There's not a big gap outside of maybe Zach Moss because Devin Singletary's still there and Josh Allen's the best goal line running back in the NFL. So. Ryan, I wanted to ask you this because it's a real question for me. I thought about taking Zach Moss there at the six. I went ahead with the Chubba Hubbard pick just for the upside on the rookie slot. James Robinson has been such a controversial name that we've been throwing around the last couple of episodes. And uh, is is how do you foresee Jacksonville shaken out right now? You'd said if we knew his job was safe, do you what are you looking out for um, in the draft? Jacksonville potential moves. What what could make that shifting for you? If they drafted another guy, or what are you looking out for? So there's two things I'm looking out for with Jacksonville. Um, number one is if Curtis Samuel signs there, and I understand they have Lavisca Chanel, but Curtis Samuel, Urban Meyer have a history. Um, if Curtis Samuel went there, 
I think they're less likely to blow an early pick on a running back because they're going to be able to use Visca. They're going to be able to use Curtis Samuel. And that's actually great for James Robinson. It's going to hurt his passing game work a little bit, but all in all, it's really good for him. Um, If Curtis Samuel doesn't go there, then obviously I, first of all, love Visca. I love Visca as long as Curtis Samuel doesn't end end up there. I think uh, that's kind of guy that Urban Meyer is just going to have a blast with. If he doesn't end up there, I don't, see a way they don't go after and i'm going to be honest with everybody here i do not dig into rookie tape the way other people dig into rookie tape until they find their landing spots i really don't care until they find their landing spots so i'm not going to give a perfect example because i don't have a perfect example there are people far smarter than me who are doing this um if a good pass catching back ends up there He's going to eat in that Urban Meyer offense. And I think he's eventually probably going to take that job from James Robinson because Urban Meyer loves versatile backs and James Robinson is not quite that. James Robinson still could be a touchdown problem when that team gets better. And I don't know how great they're going to be with a rookie quarterback, this, that and the other. Um But I think if they end up with a versatile running back, and I do think they'll be looking for a versatile running back, I think it's really going to hurt James Robinson. So if there was an Austin Eckler type that went ahead and joined, all of a sudden that ends up becoming the 1B, and a year he's the 1A, James Robinson. You're perfectly – Eckler is the best example because it's exactly what happened to Melvin Gordon. Eckler went from a guy who the NFL, uh, the the fantasy Twitter at least, always viewed as a two, and he eventually took that job. And that's not going to – man, you guys just can't make this decision for me, and I don't know which one to take. Um, You got, I'm just going to throw this out here. I've been waiting for someone to take either Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert. And yeah, I've, been doing same, I've been doing the same thing. I, I know. Like, yeah. I don't know which one to take. I'm going to go with my heart and take Justin Herbert and get him off the board. So oh, good. That makes well, it, that makes oh, it man. I was really hoping no one would bring up the Lamar Jackson thing because I'm like, wait. I was literally just looking. I'm like, seventh round. I was going to wait on quarterback. But Lamar Jackson is there in the seventh round. What am I missing? And yeah. I'm, yeah. Literally what was going through my head. So when in the sixth round, when I took Adam Thielen, I was like, I should take my quarterback now because I want one of these two, but I'm going to wait and hopefully both of them don't go and we'll see what happens. And they both come back to me. But yeah, if, if a pass catcher ends up there and as I brought up, Austin Eckler is the perfect example. No one thought he was going to be a one. And I understand things didn't go great last year, but he was on the field. He looked good. No one thought he was going to be a one and he can be a one. He just needs a compliment. And that's what could end up happening in Jacksonville is that there's going to be a pass catcher that is going to start off as the B take over the a, and all of a sudden you're going to have Jacks or uh, Robinson be the B for sure. And maybe like Aaron Jones ends up potentially shifting. Oh, that would break my heart because that's not where I want him. I want him in Miami so bad. <laughs> Let me ask you about this. One. This was another controversial pick, and I'm really curious about this. You had J.K. Dobbins as your number one sophomore running back just now on our straw poll rankings that you just pulled out and described so eloquently. Does the reality of John Harbaugh seemingly having four active running backs all the time, whether it's you know Justice Hill and he brings in another guy and Mark Ingram's always there, but there's so many other ones. Gus Bus has been running around for a while there. And there's even more names that in the last five years, John Harbaugh has just had so many running backs. He doesn't seem to be one of the guys who enjoys a, a one type of running back system. So does, does, do you see any of that 
history impacting J.K. Dobbins' ceiling, or do you just think J.K. Dobbins is such a great running back year two, just we're unleashing him and the ceiling's taken off and he's going to be an RB1? It's not going to be a full unleash. I fully expect them to bring Gus Edwards back. I believe he's still a restricted free agent unless I missed that they they re-signed him already. Um, I fully expect him to bring Edwards back, but Ingram gone. We kind of saw Dobbins. I'm going to throw a number. I think he was like the RB8 in the last six games or something like that. Like he really took off when they kind of like sent Ingram out to pasture and just kind of gave up on him. I don't know that Harbaugh's ever had a running back like Dobbins. And I don't see him shying away from that. John Harbaugh has been in the league long enough. He's a smart guy. He knows. I mean, it's the same thing. He had changed his offense completely to make Lamar Jackson work. And when I better, think about like, not to cut you off, Ryan, but no. like when he had Forsett and Forsett was aging, but then Forsett came in and he's just like, okay, here we go. Like we're ro- rolling with this because he's good enough. Like I think he get, he's, yes, he has had stables when he's had to, but he's also had the eye for talent when he's had it too. And knowing when to just surrender that to mm. the talent. Completely agree. So we're coming up here. I do want to give our audio only listeners out there a rundown of who we've gotten to at this point. So uh, I'm going to try to get these every couple of rounds, but excuse me on getting a little bit behind here. Last time we closed off with uh, Dave Montgomery in the third. We got James Robinson, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Travis. How do you say his last name? ETN. ETN. Travis ETN. Maybe to Jacksonville. Is that a possible one that would take away from James Robinson? That would be perfect. That would that would be a match made in heaven, which means it's not going to happen. Which is not going to happen. And not a match made in heaven necessarily for James Robinson rosters. No. Right? And that's the big point there of where that could be gone. So we'll see about that. But we just saw, uh, getting back to Travis, ETN off the board, followed by Terry McCowan, AJ Dillon, T. Higgins, Keenan Allen, Chris Carson, DJ Moore, DJ Chark, and Kyle Pitts closing out the fourth round. Trevor Lawrence. The Holy One starting out the fifth, followed by Darren Waller, Devontae Williams, Devontae Smith, Mike Evans, Chase Claypool, Kareem Hunt, Mari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Deontay Johnson, Mark Andrews, and Brandon Ayuk to close the fifth. We saw the sixth start with rookie incoming running back Chubba Hubbard, followed by Miles Gaskin, Kenny Galladay, Deshaun Watson, Juju Smith-Schuster, TJ Hawkinson, Julio Jones, Ronald Jones, Kenyon Drake, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods, and Melvin Gordon to close out the sixth. Leonard Fournette to start out the seventh. Cortland Sutton followed by Justin Herbert, Cooper Cup, Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, and Russell Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, Terrence Marsh, Terrence Marshall, Tyler Lockett, and Zach Moss to close out the seventh. With Lavisca Chenault starting the eighth, followed by Michael Pittman, Kenneth Gainwell, and Rondale Moore. Here, Jacob Blay now is making his eighth round selection. Number one fan there. I think we well, got them all. Well done. I did forget to throw picking at the same time. I did forget to throw Antonio Gibson in my, uh, my sophomore rating. Yeah. Don't know how I missed him. He, I, I'd probably put him ahead of Dobbins. So I would go JT Gibson Dobbins. So, yeah, I can't believe I I even missed. I didn't even say JT in the initial question. Yeah. I was going to say you missed JT. And I'm like, that's right. Cause he was the second pick of the draft. So you're right. I was just going to say, cause cause he's in that first round. The other guys are all going around the same cluster kind of. God, I am so excited about Jonathan Taylor. I got my, oh, my, my hype flair is going. Yeah. He's one of those guys. I'm like, you know what, guys? I know Jonathan Taylor shouldn't go one one in redrafts, but 
Watch, watch me fly. Oh. All right, Taylor will be my first round pick in any draft where I don't own the 101 and grab McCaffrey. He will be my first round pick. In Jonathan any Taylor's uh, hype is intoxicating. I mean, yeah. just having him last year in a lot of redraft leagues where you're just waiting around for him and then it finally kind of it clicked and it clicked in such a major way. Yeah, he's going to be a hype beast this offseason. Got We're the, just gonna watch Got yeah. the line, no real competition behind him, but enough people behind him that they can spell him and still collect first downs. Yep. Oh I got a question God. for you guys. Yeah, I got 50 seconds on the clock. Will Fuller or OBJ? If I go OBJ, it's very Cleveland Browns offense heavy. But <laughs> is OBJ lead, dead? Man. Is OBJ dead? Like, like, is he done? Or I don't, I don't think so. I, think I don't fine. think so either. I think I think he wants to be. I think he wants to be great. I think he enjoys the position he has in society right now, and he knows how easy it is to lose it. I don't think he wants to become a Sammy Watkins. I think I think he wants to be a dude. I think he wants to keep hanging out with LeBron James. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm and gonna he's go got such. Here. He's so like charismatic. He's got such ways to make money outside of football. It's not just a paycheck to your point, Austin. Like exactly. it's definitely he he strives for greatness inside there. I know that. I wonder uh, if he's in Cleveland next year. That's that's the kind of the big thing with him. So Yeah, that's interesting. Um maybe he he does get traded. He's been rumored to be traded. Um there have been rumors that uh, Cardinals might be one of those teams that he gets traded to. Could you imagine that? OBJ and Hopkins? This is pure speculation and pure drugstore psychologist, but I think that you actually see a good marriage, a good relationship with OBJ and Cleveland next year. What I mean by that is I think that Cleveland has upped their status to meet OBJ's perceived status. They had coach of the year last year. Baker Mayfield was Baker Mayfield again to close out the year. They might have the best running system in the game with two legit star running backs. Like Cleveland's kind of a hot spot. And all they really need is a hot wide receiver with Jarvis Landry, who's right there. But OBJ wants to be that guy. And I think there's enough of a challenge that it's like, hey, you're good. We all know you're good. Right now, it's the best situation actually in the entire NFL. Like, yeah, I love that point, Austin. And it's like he's a front. He got to be from the outside looking in at what Cleveland did. He got to be injured and see like, oh, shit, they, like they were kind of better without me. Yep. And yeah. so can I come back and play team ball and rise to that? You know, I think I think he can. I think he's got it within his his options. And I think the way that he demands just as talent wise, he demands targets will be good for his fantasy prospects. But then I think the you know, the 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 injury and looking from the outside in could do really well for his psyche. Well, that that was a whole knock, right? Because it what is like Colin Cowherd or whatever created that whole buzz about, uh, you know, Cleveland's better without yeah. yeah I know right but he was talking about how ba- you know uh, OBJ just like drags the offense and they try to force feed him and things like that and I don't know that I 100% agree I just think that they need to get on a, uh, the same page we just generally see that and I think that like to Travis's point, he got a viewpoint from the outside in. And this whole time you've always seen Baker be like, no, 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 that's not true with the whole OBJ makes like have his worse. back. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I do think to, to, you know, my colleague's point that OBJ could come back and it's kind of that whole, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers. you know, all right, you want to disrespect me. You want to say I'm done. I'll show you show exactly you. how good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make a a lot of enemies out of a lot of Cleveland sports fans as well, because that narrative has been, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm from Northeast Ohio, still live in Northeast Ohio. 
And the the Browns are better without an OBJ narrative because Cleveland, very blue collar town. They they don't want to like Odell Beckham Jr. A prima donna type. I think it's such a trash narrative. They were better when Baker Mayfield isn't forcing the ball to OBJ, but no one is forcing Baker Mayfield to force the ball to OBJ. Right. Like Baker Mayfield needs to make good decisions, which he started to do. If he can carry that good decision making, obviously OBJ is a superstar, at least in his own mind. And he's not going to love not getting 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's going to love making the playoffs every year, playing with a competent quarterback, playing in Monday night football, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, the playoffs, the Super Bowl if they play their cards right, because that is a well-built team around them, and he makes them better. There's, It makes no sense to say that one of the top 10 talents at the position somehow makes a team worse. It's a terrible take. <laughs> they just got to get their energies right. And I think with Baker Mayfield, he's got big energy too. And we kind of, he fits into, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the Cleveland kind of prototypical star, oh, right? Like very much so, you know, it's, he's not a, he's not a big uh, drama guy, but low key, he really is a big drama guy. This guy gets in trouble with the cops. This guy gets in trouble with his opponents. He gets trashed on for taking too many commercials. Like, Baker Mayfield has got a lot of flair for the dramatic in his own right. Odell Beckham has a ton of flair for the dramatic too. And I think they were, they both have big egos. And you yeah. saw two years ago or last year, Baker Mayfield like intentionally not even looking at OBJ. And you saw a couple of points where it's like, you two are playing an ego game right now. Yep. And I think they both grew up in a sense and Baker especially and learned how to win games, did what needed to be done. And then to your point, Ryan, like you're not better taking – an elite talent off the field. Now, if their energy is running amok, fine. But if they can just get their arrows pointing in the same direction. Yeah, if it's a locker room problem, that's something completely different. But, right, mm. right. I think they just might have grown up enough and might be in line that we could see some magic come out of Cleveland right now because they are a run first team anyways. And that's the one thing I was going to say is you, you, I'm so glad you threw the run first team thing in there. When we say magic, we mean great NFL football. It might not be fantastic for fantasy. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're grabbing Odell Beckham, but if you're grabbing Odell Beckham, let's just talk about how the mighty have fallen. You kind of brought up uh, Juju Smith-Schuster not that long ago as a guy who was universally the one Oh one in startup drafts. Odell Beckham was that before Juju Smith-Schuster was that. You're now getting Odell Beckham in some cases as your wide receiver three. The perceived value there is through the roof if he yeah. ever gets back to just being half of what he was. I mean, it's yeah. it's incredible yeah. to where he's not – you're going to have big games. I don't want to quite liken him to Tyler Lockett, but you're going to have big games. You're just not going to have as many big games because hopefully the Browns aren't ba as bad as the Giants were when Odell Beckham scored 12 touchdowns in 12 games or whatever it was. Those are really good takes. Oh there. man, that's who I wanted. Next round, <laughs> Damian Harris. Yeah, I was I was looking at him. I was looking at him or Marquise Brown. I thought Damian Harris would be there next round, so I went with Marquise. <laughs> and now I'm regretting it. That's the game you play. No, is the gamble. Is is what's what's the outlook for the Patriots? What needs to happen in New England for anybody to actually have significant fantasy value? Tom Brady he'll... has to walk back. <laughs> come back. Well, I assume you guys saw the story today that, or maybe it was yesterday, that Jimmy Garoppolo is Plan A for them at quarterback, which I find super interesting because, like, he doesn't play for them. So... <laughs> what's yeah, going to be they, funny uh... is. Yeah, no, watch watch Bill Belichick like just get 
offer like a fifth round for Jimmy G, right? <laughs> and then it's just like, that's exactly Bill Belichick. He got a second rounder for Jimmy G, and then he like three years later when he needs him, uh, he's like, oh, I'll just give you a fifth rounder and I get him back. Thanks. I say it would certainly play into the chess and checkers metaphor that everybody uses for Belichick at that point. <laughs> yeah, does I, that change at all after Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl and Belichick misses the playoffs? Is he actually playing Connect Four? I'm not yeah. that down on Belichick. Yeah. You had three of their best defensive players opt out due to COVID-19 before the season even started. <laughs> um, you got wide receivers just everywhere that couldn't catch i mean we we laugh because we look at julian edelman as this like prototypical slot wide receiver well first of all he couldn't stay healthy last year and that's through no fault of his own he kills himself every chance he can to catch a football yeah that guy i think he led the league in drops in 2019 like he drops a lot of balls he is not the quarterback's best friend that we like to pretend he is and they really had no reliable wide receivers you had cam newton who did everything he could and and my co-host joe zolo would kill me for giving cam newton any praise he thinks he's absolute trash but cam newton doing everything he could to help them win seven games or whatever it was they won and Nobody else was helping him. They need a complete overhaul. And I, I'll be honest, I don't know what their cap situation looks like. I don't think it's going to get any better next year. Mm. <laughs> Matt chiming in here with the Baker Mayfield stuff. Sam Baker has too much of an ego. If OBJ throws him ball, Baker tells him to screw off. <laughs> and I don't know some about ways that. that- I said, well, in some ways that could work out great. In some ways that could work out very, very poorly. Like yeah. so far, the the best case for uh, OBJ is to have Jarvis Landry throw him the football. So yeah, yeah. work on doing. No, got kid. But I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. <laughs> I said, it's such a talented team in a dynasty startup. Oh, probably. I'd probably take Hunter Henry. I want to too. He's a little shiny. I, but I just he's, I want to take him. He's a free. He's that's uh, my biggest concern. What if Hunter Henry signs in New England? Yeah, <laughs> like, he could not even well, be signed. You know, if and, Plan A happens, yeah. If plan a. <laughs> there you go. If Plan A, <laughs> I think I'd yeah. go Fant. Clearly, Austin went Henry. Um, I just but, you know I just went with what would make me feel better right now. If this was a real one, I would have I would have ironed this out. But it's like the coin toss question where it's like, you know, it's like flip a coin and then you know when that coin is spinning midair who you actually want. Yeah, you know, you all a sudden, And I'm like in a, in a mock draft, sometimes I need, just need to be honest with my emotions because then it allows me to work through them on the other side. If I can say I have an inflated opinion of Hunter Henry because two years ago he won me a certain game and I'm still holding on to that as if it's, <laughs> as if it's significant. Like that's how I iron this out right here. Let me get Matt who's been grilling my butt this whole time in the chat here. Like if you can bring some honest criticism this way and be like, you know, that's a good point. Then in a real draft, you iron these things out. And that's the beauty of the mock drafts. We can get better throughout the space. Matt's not just been grilling you, man. He's been in that chat. But then I asked him, I said, Hey, are are we drafting with you right now? And he said, no, but I'll be on next week. So you can grill my picks then. So he knows he's coming. He's just, he's got the advantage being on the outside this time. Yep, right here. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you go, man. No, you bring up a good. Well, you bring up a good point with Hunter Henry and him winning you a game a few years ago. There's this whole psychological theory on the how we value things that we already own far more than we value things that we don't own. Oh, and that, yeah, that sunk that, cost fallacy. Is that yes, that is? and yeah. that and that plays into fantasy football trades 
so, so much. So much. There is a guy in my league who's had Julio Jones basically since he started. It's a three-keeper league. It's been long past the time for him to move Julio Jones, but he values Julio like Julio is still this shiny new Ferrari. And I'm no disrespect to Julio. Fantastic player, but he's had value offers that he just keeps turning down because the value we're offering can never match the value that is in this guy's head for Julio Jones. And it's because Julio's already on his roster. And I've even brought up to him, flip the script, dude. If someone was offering you Julio for those three players, would you say yes? And he's like, no. And I'm like, exactly. Then why are you turning down people offering you three players for Julio Jones? Like, make the move, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Life is scary. But what happens if something's different? What happens if that's exactly. the worst thing? And then, like, all your friends, they just think less of you. And you think less of yourself. And then you have – it's such a messed up, stupid game it's, that ends up happening. The psychological oh, weight we add to previous – I was going to well, say – yeah, you don't get credit for those games anymore. <laughs> no. Well, none of that. I, I was uh, that reminds me. I was reading a Reddit story uh, a couple months back, and the, it was same thing where the guy was trying to talk to you know Team B and was involving a player, and it was actually Terry McLaurin. Ironically enough, uh, he was you know, he, the the guy had no interest in Terry McLaurin. Thought he was trash. All this stuff, right? So he ends up trading Terry McLaurin. Team A trains Terry McLaurin, let's say, to Team C. And then Team C ends up trading with and then a package. And in that package is Terry McLaurin to Team B, right? So Team A was like, okay, well, I was trying to offer this guy Terry McLaurin a few weeks ago. said he was trash. And so now I can probably get him cheaper than, you know, because he doesn't like him. He said he goes to Team B and is like, hey, uh, I'd like to trade you for Terry McLaurin. And then all of a sudden the guy was like, oh, he's, he's a first rounder. Like, yep. he, that's what he and like inflates the price. Now. <laughs> yeah. And it's like. Oh, man, the psychological game that is fantasy football. Got to love it. That's the hardest thing to overcome is that we're always just going to value the things that are on our team far more than we value the ones that aren't. And so you have to be careful. And it kind of goes back to our very first story from this entire mock draft is reach for your guy. Because if your guy ends up on a team that doesn't love him as much as you, now that he's on their team, they love him way more than you ever loved him. Oh, It hurts. It's like when your crush is now with that jerk guy (laughs) and you're like, he doesn't even value her. Exactly. Like, he doesn't even know. Every even, you every don't movie ever like the Taylor, <laughs> the cheerleader girlfriend, and the, the QB boyfriend, and then the guy on the side who just wants her. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I I literally think I may have said to a human being last year that they don't deserve Jonathan Taylor. Right? <laughs> so we're hitting some nerves here. Well, you know what, Ryan? They don't. All right, they did <laughs> exactly. Well, let's take a look at who everybody here does now have on their team and disproportionately values now that they have a tangible <laughs> relationship with them. I I started the eighth round here with Lavisca Chenault, Michael Pittman, followed by Kenneth Gainwell. Oh, I already got these guys. We're going to run it back here. Rondell Moore, Dak Prescott, Odell Beckham, Joe Burrow, Chase Edmonds, Michael Carter, Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel, Will Fuller. Aaron Rodgers kicked off the ninth round, followed by Denzel Mims, Jalen Hurts. I like that one. Tylen Tylen Wallace, Henry Ruggs, Jamar Jefferson, Marquise Brown, Robbie Anderson, Damian Harris, Jarvis Landry, Trey Sermon, and Hunter Henry. They're closed out the ninth round. And we're almost here done with the 10th. We got Ryan on the board here. But I started the 10th off with Devontae Parker, followed by Neam Hines, Devin Singletary, Darnell Mooney. I thought about taking him. Tony Pollard, Corey Davis, David Johnson, Noah 
Fant, Jamison Crowder's off the board. Thought about him too. And Ryan is making his pick to go after Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and we're doing 16 rounds here for our startup fantasy football uh, mock draft and no kickers, no defense for Whisper Nation listening. I'm just going to throw this out there because it's just seemingly going to be inevitable. Um, but apparently Corey Davis is just going to be like one of my guys this year because yeah. I have taken him in every mock draft, not intentionally. I just think he like he's going so late. And I I do understand he's like a free agent right now. So he could go to a different team. There could be a lot of moving parts. That could potentially be exciting, I will add. Um, but let's just say he does stay in Tennessee. I feel like he has arrived to be maybe I don't think he's ever going to be like that wide receiver one uh, that we thought or or Tennessee thought that they were going to get. But I think he's a very solid wide receiver three, wide receiver two, depending on the matchups uh, on a week to week basis. And I feel like he's going so late in drafts. And to me, you know, he finished as a top 24 wide receiver last year. So I, I don't understand what why so many people are hating on him. Well, I was going to say, now that you're you've anointed yourself the premier ambassador, where would you like to see Corey <laughs> Davis end up? Is is staying in Tennessee oh, what you're hoping for? Or? Yeah. Uh, sorry. I thought you were telling me in the draft, where do I want? To, I was like, I, I want to keep staying here. Round, because, yeah. Yeah, because I'll pick him up all day there. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, Tennessee, I think that they just have a nice rapport there i think i like what they're doing as far as with aj brown uh you know and and derrick henry ryan Tannehill seems to have a good rapport uh, i think he is an underrated quarterback as well and so uh, i i i think that a nice place is still to remain in, in tennessee that's my number one uh hope is that he stays there because then he doesn't have to learn a new playbook that would concern me i would actually probably be a little bit more concerned if he goes to another team to be honest with you because it's that whole second year or first year in a new offense and stuff most wide receivers don't generally tend to produce right away i know we had some uh cases last year where that didn't exactly pan out you know uh, hopkins and Diggs both went to new teams and balled out but generally the rule is wide receivers are a little bit slower going to another a new team but uh let me where do you think you think he's going to stay in the same place? Or? I think he's likely to stay. There's one team I think could tempt him, and I think it's because he can come way more affordable. And the team I'm going to mention is everybody's probably favorite landing spot for every wide receiver, but I think Davis could be the most affordable for them. If he were to go to Green Bay and be the wide receiver two opposite Devontae Adams with Alan Lazard also being a free agent right now, I think that would be perfect to put him – Tannehill's been great, and I don't want to diminish anything Tannehill's done, but Aaron Rodgers takes accuracy to another level. And um, Davis has always been with these quarterbacks, Mariota, who was supposed to be hyper-accurate but just couldn't do anything with the ball. Tannehill, who is a hyper-accurate quarterback, but he's clearly – Davis is clearly the beta on that team. And then you have Derrick Henry, who's the alpha of all alphas, to to go along with A.J. Brown, to where if he goes to Green Bay – They're going to run the football, but they're going to let Aaron Rodgers do what Aaron Rodgers does, and he doesn't have to be the main guy. And the amount of extra coverage that Devontae Adams demands, I think that could work out really well for Corey Davis. So of all the places I'd like to see him land, the – I, I would get excited again if he ended up in Green Bay. Last take on Corey Davis, because I want to know what, what you guys think of this. 
What do you predict to be Corey Davis's finishing in the 2021-2022 season if he goes to Chicago and Allen Robinson's gone? So Mooney's there. Corey Davis lands over there too. Who's the one? We'll find out. And the quarterback right now, it stays Trubisky. Where does Corey Davis finish in January next year? That's an interesting question. Because top, top 20. Robinson was what, wide receiver 11 on the year? Yeah, nine in PPR, but yeah. Nine in PPR. So I I would – that's a great question. Because here's I the why, and that's a frame. Like you're thinking about it really quick because Allen Robinson – we saw what a true number one talent, not an elite talent, but maybe some guy who's really, really good in Allen Robinson at the level that he was able to produce with a quarterback who's got his ups and downs. Mooney's on the on the rise. Corey Davis has question marks. So the question is, is, is Corey Davis just a jag? Is he just a guy who's going to fall into the mix and he can play all right for the, whatever team he's on? Or is there an actual opportunity for Corey Davis to show that he's working with more than maybe we've given him credit for outside of him being taken in the first round? And he could actually level up into a back-end wide receiver one, maybe respectable wide receiver two. Wow, we got Zoe and Joe, Joe Zolo and Matt both think that he would be terrible, that he wouldn't even finish top 40. What I, I it, it's very rare that I ever agree with Joe. Joe's my co-host. For those who don't know, um, <laughs> I wouldn't quite go as bad as top forty, but I think top thirty would definitely be a cap for him. Mainly because I don't see him ever demanding the target share that Allen mm-hmm. Robinson would demand. Mooney and Anthony Miller would just cut into that. I don't. I'm, the, so talent, think, well, you, the talent gap is a lot of it too for me. I think that Allen Robinson's just a, an overall much more complete wide receiver in, in a lot of I ways. Think, I think Corey, Corey Davis, Davis. Corey, I don't know, man. I, I, I when he's gotten peppered with targets, he produced. Remember a couple of years ago with Mariota, and Mariota was like peppering him with targets, and he was a right. And Allen Robinson has consistently demanded targets every step of the way. Right, Allen Robinson no, no, no. is what Corey Davis wants to be. Hold on. I I will I'm saying what I'm, I'm just saying, saying. The thing was is Allen Robinson wasn't anything until he had one good season before he went to the Bears. He had one good season and then he goes to the Bears and he and now he's getting he gets peppered with targets because the opportunity is there. I'm saying Corey Davis is no slouch. He was a top 10 wide receiver picked off the board. I believe Tennessee picked him with the number nine pick if I'm or number seven pick, if I can recall correctly. And so it's not like he's a slouch and and not, like he could be a Devon. We thought maybe last year was going to be his breakout season with Devonte Parker, like the, like Devonte Parker had the previous year. And honestly, he kind of had it looking at his stats. Like he kind of, he, he had a very solid year. And so I, I'm just curious if he is the number one guy, why do we think so much that he can't produce if he's given all the targets, presumably that Allen Robinson, I mean, even if he got 90% of Allen Robinson's targets, Allen Robinson's getting over 120 targets. Okay, but you actually brought up something really good. Um, the year Corey Davis was peppered with targets was 112 target season. I just went and looked. He finished as the wide receiver 28. So that kind of plays right into what I was thinking is he'll be right around cracking the top 30. Um, now, could we see him jump up to 125, 130? I think it's possible. I'd have to dig way more into Darnell Mooney. I also am 
just using the Bears as an example, and I know we've kind of been doing this with the thought that it'll be Trubisky at quarterback. I think it's much more likely to be Nick Foles at quarterback. I think the Bears seem to want to move on from Trubisky, and I think they probably, just putting it bluntly, upset Trubisky just with how this whole situation has been handled. And I know it's kind of hilarious to think, oh, we upset Mitch Trubisky. Oh, no. <laughs> but when you're looking at just Nick Foles, that could be a thing. But I've also heard the Bears might be a front runner, and I understand it's all rumors at this point. The Bears might be a front runner for Deshaun or Russell Wilson, yeah. and then that changes everything. But then are those guys going to go there if Corey Davis is their one? <laughs> so just are there any other in that? I love the take on this, and I would have to agree kind of to Corey Davis, and I've drafted Corey Davis in the last couple of years in redrafts, and, and so I, I know where Johnny's with it, and I, I, would be, I would love to be surprised next year and actually see him make an impact. Not holding my breath out on that one, but I am curious of what guys we should hold our breath on maybe Ryan like is what we know there's a lot of transition that's about to come up in the NFL what players that are maybe even available still in this draft right now or, or have gone here in these double digit rounds or, or later on that we should be thinking of seeing an upgrade come either from their own personal development or you're expecting the team they play for to make a change at quarterback or you're expecting to see that player change teams and be in a better opportunity and now they're really going to make an impact fantasy wise. I, I think one guy to watch out for, um, and he's way low in ADP right now, and he has every right to be, is Antonio Brown if Chris Ooh. Godwin chases a paycheck. Mm. Um, I am of the firm belief that no other team in the NFL is going to take a chance on Antonio Brown. Um, I think he is tied to Tom Brady, and I'm really interested to see what happens when Brady retires because Brown theoretically should have more years left on him. I think he's tied to Tom Brady. I think he's back in Tampa. If Godwin walks and Brown is straight up the wide receiver two, wide receiver one B to Mike Evans, that could be magical for fantasy. And he is in a tremendous value. Um, another player, just using your example of players who are available in this draft, he's actually I'll be perfectly honest. He's my next pick if he makes it to me. Um, Sterling Shepard is a guy who mm. demands eight targets per game, does quite well when he gets those eight targets per game. Um, everybody wants to hate Daniel Jones right now, and believe me, rightfully so. But I do feel like that Giants offense is going to produce decent wide receivers. I do think that, uh, you know, Evan Ingram just went, and I think Evan Ingram is going to continue to benefit now mm. that uh, Jason Garrett has an idea of how to use him. But Sterling Shepard, especially with the recent release of Golden Tate, Darius Slayton took an enormous step back from year one to year two. And I think that was because a lot of people finally had tape on him because he kind of came out of nowhere as a rookie. So Sterling Shepard's a guy who I would really love to see how his development's going to come. And what's funny is he's a complete 180 for me. I was very, very, very low on Sterling Shepard uh, coming into last year mainly because of how high I was on Darius Slayton. I've slowly started to turn, and Steffi Smalls, who's a superstar in the industry, wrote an article I think about a month ago about why it's time to start believing in Sterling Shepard again and, and kind of hanging on to him. And he's a guy who I'm, I'm looking to acquire, especially in these later rounds of drafts. Super, okay. super cheap. Um, yeah, you know, draft cost or draft capital to get to get him. Uh, he definitely has the talent, right, uh, out of Oklahoma or sooner. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, it just, I think has to do with health and, you know, Danny dimes, you know, stepping it up realistically and, and being able to be a little bit more accurate, but yeah, I've always liked Sterling Shepard as a wide receiver. It will be interesting to see if he can be a little bit more consistent, but you like the consistent targets a hundred percent. 
Another guy who I just noticed went super late, and he's been going late in a ton of your mock drafts. Um, and of course, Jacob Blay got him. Um, Robbie Anderson. <laughs> Robbie Anderson was yeah. so good. And I understand DJ Moore Love. I took DJ Moore super early. DJ Moore Love is going to rule the day, but Curtis Samuel's likely gone at this point. And they're going to have some younger wide receiver three in there. Robbie Anderson has already shown us he can succeed in that offense with a Teddy Bridgewater that did not look great. To where if they are one of these teams that go out and get a quarterback, which is a heavy rumor, like they they have made it very public that they no longer are in love with Teddy Bridgewater. Robbie Anderson's a guy in that offense, an offense that he probably still remembers a lot of from college with his head coach. Um, he, he did very well in year one, and I, he's a guy who I can only see improving in year two, but we're acting like he's going to step right back into his New York Jets inconsistency role. I That's love kind it. of a wild ADP, right? Like, like why is he so down? Like, he did it with – sorry, Austin, I mean to cut you off. Uh, he did it with so many different ways, too. Like, he wasn't the one-trick pony we had seen exactly. in New York. He, he was an over-the-middle guy. He was an underneath guy, and he did it, and almost to the chagrin of DJ Moore a lot of last year. Yeah, I, to I love to the green of DJ Moore managers. Sorry, to get I just want to d- double down on the Robbie Anderson one. I feel like there's always this bit of speedy, tall New York Jets wide receivers. I developed this infatuation with, with Robbie Anderson <laughs> a couple of years ago and Brashad Perriman last year. Um, but just these guys who are, you know, like mid to late 20s in terms of like they're they've still got they're still coming in with the same abilities that they did when they were rookies you know like i'm not concerned about the regression of a 26 or a 27 year old wide receiver i'm just not and robbie anderson is a lot taller a lot faster with a lot longer limbs than a lot of people gave him credit for over there dealing with the inconsistent play in new york and we saw a little bit of what he was able to do with carolina and i am not surprised if we see a a resurgence in the career of robbie anderson moving forward where all of a sudden he starts becoming like like a, like a player in the NFL, not just a guy who bounces around, but a guy you can maybe rely on a little bit. So I, I love that you brought him up. It's just interesting to me that his narrative, and you hit it so well on the head, he did it in so many different ways last year, but his narrative has not changed. As soon as he went there, they're like, well, he'll be the deep threat, but DJ Moore is going to steal all the targets. And it's like, that's not what happened. No. Why are we still telling the same exact story? DJ Moore was like a phenomenal top of the league deep threat. Teddy Bridgewater just hates throwing the ball deep. Exactly. And that's the thing is Robbie Anderson didn't have a quarterback who could play into his strengths last year and he changed his game. If we get a quarterback all of a sudden that can play into their strengths, it's going to be better for Moore and Anderson. Big time. I love that one. I took your advice, Ryan. Drafted Antonio Brown on the 13th. That is such a great take, dude. Like that's the guy because I got to say with this, like we're playing drugstore psychologist on this one. When we look at these players who are able to extend their primes, it's dudes who are operating on just – a different a different plane like adrian peterson comes yeah. to mind for me big time like no he's not the same level of production but he is committed to his craft for whatever reason whatever whatever reason that motivates him to do it antonio brown is in a similar boat like this dude is just different right wrong or indifferent it just is the case and i'm not i'm not surprised to see him stretch out his body to make what he's able to do at a high level into his mid mid 30s when another guy couldn't do that and, and one of your listeners, Matt, brought up a really great player in this same range, Brandon Cooks. Um, yeah. Right now, he's the wide receiver one in Houston with literally zero competition. Um, they have like Kiki. Yeah, no one to throw him the ball either. Yeah. That's fair, but we've seen 
fast wide receivers specifically yeah. deep threat wide receivers succeed with bad quarterbacks. As long as they get a strong arm in there, they're going to be down. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. They're going to throw the ball 550 to 600 times next year. They're not going to have much of an option. And that's even with, bringing in an offensive coordinator who wants to run Baltimore's system. Baltimore can run their system because they're winning every game. Houston is not going to be that system. So they're going to have to throw the ball a ton. And if Cooks is the only show in town, we're looking at 125 to 140 targets for a guy who can still score pretty much anytime he touches the ball. He could be an electric fantasy player. Now, I completely agree. They need to get somebody there. My co-host Josh Hudson loves to say it's going to be Robert Griffin going back there since he was released by Baltimore. Mm. just played with Cully in Baltimore. And then he's, of course, from Texas, and he's a huge star in Texas. Say what you will about RG3, still has a cannon for an arm, and that could play out well with Brandon Cooks. So, I like that take. He didn't look bad, at honestly, when uh, he had to fill in for uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, well, the first time he was injured, right? And then uh, when yeah. when Lamar had to go into the bathroom, uh, it wasn't it <laughs> wasn't break. yeah it wasn't that wasn't uh, RG three, but uh, RG three played some games or and played some snaps and and he looked pretty solid. I have always been a fan of RG three. I actually have an RG three uh, bobblehead uh, that go. I picked up just because I I'm a big fan and I've always rooted for him. I thought he was so fun. I, I really started to really get into fantasy football uh when rg3 was a rookie and um because i didn't see it coming to be honest with you i did not see that coming and when he just kind of took he was like lamar jackson before lamar jackson yeah and and then lamar is actually more consistent but uh but it was so fun to watch rg3 and what he was doing because it was it was you know michael vick-esque you know but with with a big arm uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I miss those days with RG three man. Before Shanahan was, res- I'm going to blame Shanahan for taking out his ACL and killing a lot of the trajectory <laughs> and what happened there. RG three was the most dangerous football player I personally ever witnessed play football. This yeah, was, was an incredible. Olympic, an Olympic hurdler, not just an Olympic like track athlete. We're talking like an Olympic hurdler, as Ryan put it, with a cannon arm. Um, and it's just too bad that we saw the durability go away because I had never seen a player more dangerous than RG three. It, it was like year, watching. It was like watching Vic in his prime again, and that's just yeah. not something you get to see as very a rookie. Often, so, right, he was rookie of the year over Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck was not a disappointment. And Andrew Luck nope. was the chosen one coming in. You know, the best quarterback we'd seen in so long, and he didn't disappoint. RG three was the rookie of the year. Yeah, I got Austin. I don't want you to time out. You're on the clock. Thank you very much. <laughs> Joe Joe chiming in uh, saying that he loves he loves Cooks, but if he's getting high low coverage on him because the defense doesn't have to worry, he is in trouble. Yeah, and to Joe's credit, Joe brought up the same thing about Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl, and we saw that work. Um, they throw that high low on him. Now, obviously, they couldn't stop Kelsey, but who can? Um, right. But that's kind of what we were talking about way back. It was uh, Joe w- kind of brought this up, but we were talking about way back with DK Metcalf. That high low doesn't work on DK Metcalf because he's going to kill the low, and then the high is too far back. Brandon Cooks, you don't got to worry about that. Brandon Cooks isn't going to kill the low coverage, and when he does finally get past the low coverage – the high coverage is there. And that's something Joe's been preaching on our show for a while that a lot of these fast guys, as long as you want to commit to taking them out of the game, it's not that hard. And the other problem is with Houston as of this second, 
you can commit to taking Brandon Cooks out mm-hmm. of the game. It's not going to kill you. David Johnson's going to run 30 times for 34 yards and a touchdown, and it's not going to matter much. But Brandon Cooks could legitimately hurt you, and he could easily be taken out of the game. Well, and, and that's what we talked about on on last week uh, with the snap football, uh, and we were talking about why – you know, when you do that, right, you talked about you normally go to Travis Kelsey and he'll just dominate and that's kind of how you beat it. But in the Super Bowl, Kansas City wasn't doing that. They were still like, no, 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 we need to get this back so yep. quickly. And that was like their downfall to that. So you're I seeing think, it all kind of. I think people who forgot how important offensive lines were, were very much reminded so if they watched the Super Bowl. And I mean, even me, I did not. I, I did not give offensive lines their credit, and Joe lays into me every week for this. That I thought that, I, I, excuse me, I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be able to be the hero in this Super Bowl. I thought they'd get rid of the ball quickly. Mm-hmm. Apparently, quickly wasn't quickly enough. Tampa yeah. Bay just abused them, and he was running for his life all day. Made some of the most insanely athletic throws we've ever seen in football ever. You cannot question Patrick Mahomes' heart or arm talent one bit, but man, can you question Andy Reed for putting them in that situation where you knew you weren't going to have an offensive line and your game plan was still that bad. And I love Andy Reed. Um, Andy, my my son is literally named Donovan after Donovan McNabb from the Eagles. Huge Andy Reed guy. Dude, that is awesome. To Reed's credit, he knew like, if you look at the pre game, like press conferences, he was doing that week. He knew he said, it's going to be ugly, but you know, we'll, we'll do what we can. I mean, I think he, he had a very good idea what his offensive line was up against and they were just working with what they had. Yeah. Hmm. I just feel like you could have done something different. Like, like you kind of brought up, yes, Kelsey put in work, but they didn't, he didn't nail in the coffin the way he was. And I know everyone got on Mahomes at the end of that game because he literally threw his wide receivers under the bus that they weren't where they were supposed to be. And they didn't catch what was thrown to them. And I know you're not supposed to do this quarterback, but show me the lie because yeah. it was right. ugly. So it's almost like they had not enough time to handle the adversity that ended up coming their way as where Tampa yeah. Bay was dealing with figuring their stuff out early on. And then they were able to come in playing their, best football of the season that that super bowl matchup and those playoffs leading up to it is where they the, the chiefs have just been able to bail themselves out with exceptional talent um we're just not going to beat a talented defense like they went up against who also is very well coached and prepared yep and that's hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it is it, it was an interesting game and oh man Troutman just went. I was really hoping to get him. <laughs> Troutman's okay. really interesting, especially after they just dropped Cook. Yeah, Tight exactly. ends. That's the thing we don't get to talk a lot about, especially here in a dynasty startup situation, Ryan. Is there a um, – how are we looking with the incoming tight end class? And, and for, one of the things I always look for is when are we getting a tight end coming in the mix who's not going to be a jack, a just a guy tight end? We know that in redraft leagues – Every year, there's a whole bunch of guys that you can take with high upside, um, middle floor play, late on in the drafts. And most of the time, most tight ends are that. Every once in a while, though, we get a Gronkowski talent. We get a you know TJ Hawkinson a little bit. Might have been a recent case of that. who's on his way uh, to be a legit player here. But is there anybody that's coming into the draft this year who you've got your eyes on, specifically at the tight end position? I mean, again, I'm not – Big, big rookie guy, but you would have to imagine Kyle Pitts. Uh, mm-hmm. the, what he's shown us in college, I, I can't see him falling into a just a guy situation. It 
doesn't mean it's impossible. It just seems very unlikely. Um, With tight ends, I feel like landing spot is as important as any position. Um, If you're not with the the right quarterback who's going to utilize the tight end and the right offensive coordinator who's going to utilize the tight end, you're going to be used as a blocker. And I'm going to use as a prime example, the last big guy we thought was going to be great was O.J. Howard. And the problem was he was such a damn good blocker and they would rather have used him as a blocker. So they kept using him as a blocker and he never fully, fully fulfilled what we expected out of him in fantasy. And I think if Howard ends up somewhere else, that could be great. And if Pitts ends up on the wrong team where they're going to use him as a blocker, I'm just going to throw out like Pittsburgh as an example, who doesn't tend to utilize their tight ends. That could be very bad for him. And then we end up with another just a guy. Now, one thing I will say when you're looking at Dynasty, I am a proponent of stream, stream, stream your tight ends forever and always Mm. in Dynasty. That gets a lot harder because everybody is drafting multiple tight ends and you need to also draft multiple tight ends, even if they're crap tight ends you need to be able to play the matchups on every week and the free agency might not be there for you we talked about you you might be dealing with 25 man rosters 25 man rosters in a 12 team league is 300 players being drafted most tight ends are going to be gone any tight end that's worth anything on a weekly basis is going to be gone it's going to be a lot harder to stream so what's interesting is is if you drafted one early a darren waller or travis kelsey a george kill you might only need to add one more tight end if you drafted late how i'm doing or uh the gentleman right before me or the lady right before me the news you might need to add multiple so the news is last three picks were cole Komet, zach Ertz, johnny smith towards the this middle round and this would be the middle rounds in a dynasty that's an excellent way of approaching this because you hope Komet blows up you hope jimmy graham gets released you hope that mitch trubisky's back or nick Foles figures out how to play quarterback or even better deshaun watson's there But then if he doesn't, you at least have Zach Ertz and Jonu Smith, who you can throw in on a weekly basis. So don't be afraid to overdraft tight ends in a dynasty league. Use that tremendous roster to play your streaming game with your own team instead of with free agency. That was so much more than I had bargained for when I asked this question. (laughs) That was such a great take on it. And I agree with that all personally, my own. One anecdote that I experienced firsthand with that in our dynasty startup was taking Austin Hooper when he was still with Atlanta. And before he went down, he was the number one tight end in football. I was sitting so pretty, loved it. And then Cleveland takes that big old contract or signs him to a big old contract. And he's he's not making the same kind of impact that he was. Same guy, but different impact. And so you yeah, saw. Yeah, and that's a great example. Like um, Harrison, Harrison Bryant was a highly rated tight end last year. Now, none of the tight ends last year did anything as rookies but he goes to cleveland where he's the third guy on the totem pole and we saw him flash a couple of games but that's a terrible system for a rookie to end up in and don't think everybody is loving irv smith now and i'm i'm uh, not only the member of the fan club i'm the president um literally you write back back the fan mail exactly (laughs) Minnesota, if you don't believe they're considering Kyle Pitts, they are absolutely have to be considering him if they can get him to fall to them because you just let Kyle Rudolph walk. 
you have two solid wide receivers. You do not have a third wide receiver and you run the second most two tight end sets outside of Philadelphia and Philadelphia is an entirely new scheme now. So they essentially will probably run the most two tight end sets in the entire NFL. I don't know that they love Tyler Conklin. He seemed like he was a decent play when Rudolph or Irv was out last year. But if Pitts is there and he's this generational talent, you put Irv and Pitts in the same offense. It's going to be scary, but it's going to be terrible for fantasy. And that's a huge, great point on pay attention to the draft as this yep. comes up. This is going to have huge impacts across the league. And getting started with your research now doesn't do you a disservice knowing it's going to shift. It just helps you better understand what teams are prioritizing um, and, and where to maybe put more emphasis in the picks that you're selecting or, or to, to prioritize certain guys over other situations. I hey, Joe's coming for you, Ryan. Oh, the trash is, emoji on Irv Smith. Man. I feel like it's Wednesday night at this point with Joe just shooting down all of my takes, but he's usually right. So don't, don't listen to me. Uh, but no, Austin, you hit a great point. And I, so as I mentioned numerous times, I don't dig deep into rookies until they land, but yeah. man, do I dig into landing spots? Because if mm. I know where I want a wide receiver to land and then I see what rookie lands there, all of a sudden I now know I like that rookie because he went to the perfect spot. And a perfect marriage of this last year is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson yes. coming into the draft was literally being compared to Stefan Diggs. And then he gets drafted by Minnesota and people seem to forget who we were comparing him to. And we look at how that mistake played out i don't know exactly what his adp was but i can tell you it wasn't high enough and so justin jefferson is a perfect marriage of landing spot and talent but then for every good side of the story there's a bad side of the story and that's clyde edwards hilaire clyde edwards hilaire you could have not have picked a better landing spot for him than kansas city and kind of blew up on our faces he wasn't as bad as we like to imagine he was but he definitely wasn't as good as a guy who we were taking in the first round of fantasy drafts last year to that point, Damian Williams was taken by Jacob Lay in the 15th round. Excellent pick uh, in the 15th. It was interesting because Sigmund Bloom texted out earlier this week about, um, you know, Damian Williams, look for him on your waiver. And I honestly had kind of just written him off, right? Because I was looking at what they were doing with CEH and I was just trying to evaluate that. And uh, so I just, I tweeted at Sig. Uh, and asked him like what he what he envisioned that backfield to be like if it was either like a sprinkling of Williams or do you think it was more of a 50-50 split and he seems to think it's going to be a 50-50 split so if that's the case um, which you know I could definitely see uh, Damian Williams in the 15th I know it's a startup and you don't know how long uh, that pick is going to but for a 15th pick to get a running back that's tied to a very good offense, Damian Williams. Damian Williams is probably going to be a guy that I'll be targeting in a lot of late rounds of drafts because a lot of people forgot about him. Yeah, I think that's very fair because, I mean, Andy Reid's made it clear he's not just going to lean on a guy. Uh, I think we probably saw the last of that with Andy Reid with Kareem Hunt. And when Kareem Hunt walked, I think he's just going to move it around. And then he saw the value of keeping guys healthy in the Super Bowl. So I don't see him making a change on that anytime soon. So we're starting to come to the end. We're in our last round here, round 16 of our 12-team dynasty startup draft. 
For those who are just joining the Mock Draft Monday show, for the first time, we're going to go through the end how we always do. Each one of our panelists will run through their team, giving a quick overview who they selected and why. Uh, once we're done with those, Whisper Nation, let us know who did the best. Let us know who did the worst. Love to get that take. And then we will go through everybody else who drafted here's um, team with one of the panelists doing a rundown, giving their grade A through F. And then if uh, another member of the panel has a stark contrast, we'll offer those ones up. We'll make sure that we get a chance to go through everybody who drafted alongside us, take a look at their team, give you our take, um, as well as taking your input on the guys that we selected as well. Um, and if you're watching the show and you want to be a part of it, make sure you're following on Twitter. We, Johnny Game Time Hicks sends out the links to our sleeper room here before every Monday's show so you can be a part of our actual drafting room with us. And then if you haven't liked and subscribed already on YouTube, what are you waiting for? We get daily content coming your way every single day, and so you just won't miss it because we know we're on top of the calendar, so you don't have to be. Just hit that like and subscribe button. So pops right up to your phone as it will and hey why you're clicking the why you're clicking the like and subscribe button ryan you want to tell them where the people can like and subscribe and follow all the great content you're putting out there in the world absolutely so you can find everything i do at the fantasy five five is spelled out f-i-v-e um i do most of my writing with the fantasy footballers you know where to find the fantasy footballers but i do my podcasting with uh club fantasy ffl it's just at club fantasy ffl we do a weekly wednesday live stream we do guests all throughout the off season we're going to have you guys on soon um so like i said it's it's a very cool little thing we're breaking down the off season i mean i'm gonna be honest it's just like everyone else's except we fight a lot on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, but way more importantly than anything I'm doing, please go follow the Speak Easy FF. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's International Women's in Sports Day or International Women's Day, and I've just butchered that, which just shows how much of an ass I am. But anyway, go follow the Speak Easy FF. We are highlighting the women of fantasy football right now, as we do at Club Fantasy all the time. Half of our staff are females. They kill it. They're way better than we are. Go follow that. 100% agree. We'll love those takes. This is great stuff. Do what the man says. It'll be better for it. I promise you. I follow his advice, and I'm a better human being because of it as well. So Links Ryan, are also in the description below uh, as well. I will Appreciate put the uh, the other one in there um, as well further. Appreciate that. Yes. Well, All right. So we'll go ahead and we'll break ours down first. Um, I'm the one talking right now, so I'll go ahead and just set it off. I'll, I, I drafted the last uh, – 12th position in a 12-person draft, so I will start us off here. I took Patrick Mahomes at the 112 position. Just you lock that up, you're solid for the next 10 years, fingers crossed, barring health. Love to have that advantage for the rest of my days here, at least for a, a few of them. And I think DK Metcalf, obviously there's some dependence on Russell Wilson, but I just think that this man is committed to developing and upping his game. That route tree is going to continue to broaden, as does the branches on a tree that you take care of. I think he's going to take care of himself, and I think the team around him will too. So I love that selection there. I was without a running back there, so I needed to get a couple, and David Montgomery and James Robinson, both as of now, lead dogs with no real competition behind them, but we know both of those guys could have some competition be coming in as soon as this draft, so I think that's why they were available. But hey, if the draft comes and goes and there's no one slotted behind them, I think I got a really good steal on two guys who are getting elite workload and both finished in the top 12. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is one of my favorite rookie wide receivers last year from a skill perspective, and I think the role on his team is pretty solid. Um, stoked about him there. Chubba Hubbard as an upside rookie play and Zach Moss coming in as a second year. I think we're going to see more production out of Zach Moss 
um, than we did his rookie season. Hearing the points about Josh Allen is the best goal line back they've got. That's true. I think we've also just seen a lot of quarterbacks get hurt eventually taking that route. So hopefully they'll go ahead and start pounding the rock with their big uh, bruiser back. But we'll see. But that's why he's available there in the seventh round. LaVisca Chenault, another upside rookie play. I think he benefit a lot from some improved quarterback play, which I hope to see with Trevor Lawrence coming in. Um, Hunter Henry, he won me a game a couple of years ago, so I really am fond of taking him. Uh, Devontae Parker, we know the talent's there. He needs to stay healthy. We'll see what happens to the quarterback situation. I really do like the sneaky upside, though, he continues to bring. Michael Pirine currently slotted as the Jets' starting halfback. He's a second-year halfback as well, which means I think he's going to take potentially a sneaky big jump. Don't love him and what he's about, but um, given the opportunity and a, and a commitment to excellence with a new coach coming in, it could catch some people off guard and produce at a higher clip. Michael Gallup, Mike McCarthy called him a, a wide receiver one last year. We know CeeDee Lamb's over there. We know that Amari Cooper is still there. This is a guy that, who I could see landing on another team and having a really successful time. He's 6'1", 25 years old. There's no real cause for concern as far as I'm concerned. It's just kind of shaky over there in Dallas. So muck could clear away and some light could shine through. Daryl Henderson is going to be eclipsed by Cam Akers, but he could still get some work done. He might have been a bargain value there. Um, and then my last three picks here with Tony Patterson and Hawkins were all just rookie dice rolls. We'll see where they land. We'll see what we got. Maybe we luck into a good situation, um, but no real expectations there other than they've got a, it's a dice roll with upside. Like it. I think for a build uh, where you put Patrick Mahomes at the top here, and especially in the dynasty startup, like you're set on on quarterback for probably like the next, what, 10, 15 years, yeah. hopefully. Uh, and then you got to have some fun with some of these guys behind, like DK Metcalf, Ayuk. I thought that was really nice. Um, and then just to kind of stack some potential. Devontae Parker, I was eyeing there, and I, I kind of wish I would have taken him now instead of letting him fall to you over there. I, I really like the Devontae Parker pick. Mm-hmm. It might be my favorite pick on your roster here. I think Henderson is sneaky value as well because it seems like Malcolm Brown's not going to be there. And if they go to a straight two-headed monster at running back, you're going to see workloads increase for Akers and Henderson, and getting him that late is nice. So Right. Yeah, I, I like what you did uh, towards the end. Try to get a team that could win now or at least produce pretty well now, but then also grow into itself and get better. I think I'm happy with what I pulled off. Boom. Pretty good. All right. You uh... – I I will go next. I had the uh, 107 spot. That was uh, I wanted to draft from the spot because that's where I drafted a few years ago for our startup, and I wanted to see uh, how different I would have drafted, and I did quite differently. Um, <laughs> Nick Chubb uh, at the 107. You guys know how much I love Nick Chubb, nice, not only man. this year but moving forward. I think he's great. Uh, DeAndre Swift again, another big fan of DeAndre Swift. Uh, and I'm in that argument, like pick your favorite guy of those second year running backs and, and go with that guy, whoever it is. If you have a, a reason for him, if it's Cam Akers, if it's Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, I think we're, you know, Jonathan Taylor, I think we're in a very good uh, rookie class there. So I like DeAndre Swift a lot. Uh, and then I took Michael Thomas in the third. He was the best wide receiver in my eyes available. Um, quarterback situation is a little bit uh, murky, but I, I think that. They'll always use Michael Thomas. A.J. Dillon, Kareem Hunt were my fourth and fifth round uh, picks there. Wanted to grab some more running backs. Uh, and then T.J. Hawkinson in the sixth. I wanted to go tight end. Some of the big names have already come off the board. Um, and, you know, I, I think that T.J. Hawkinson is going to be one of those uh, tight ends that will be a top three tight end for the next years to come. He's tremendous talent. Uh, Russell Wilson grabbed a quarterback in the seventh. Then I did – 
started grabbing value at the wide receiver position that I could. So OBJ in the eighth, we talked about him earlier. Marquise Brown in the ninth, Corey Davis in the 10th. I grabbed Alexander Madison in the 11th because I wanted to have uh, an upside running back on the bench. Uh, And then Brian Edwards, Antonio Gibson in the 12th and 13th round. Rashad Penny, who who knows what happens with that guy. I wanted to talk about him a little bit, but uh, maybe a different show. Uh, Tyler Higby and then Matt (laughs) Ryan. Every other show. Yeah. (laughs) Every other draft. This man has taken Rashad Penny in every draft he possibly can since what, like, you might have a shot this four time. years ago. He always you know does. When they say like you hey, make sure does. you keep a lucky penny on you. Like that's oh. what that's what he does. He just <laughs> yeah. keeps Rashad Penny. Hey, on one all of these time. times it's going to look like a genius pick. Okay, dude. Yeah, but <laughs> not later. Who knows? <laughs> hey, he's like he's like my 18th pick, dude. He's like 14th. I was just saying, where you got him? There's no shame whatsoever. Yeah, obviously, yeah. There's obviously history with this pick, <laughs> and it sort of builds on itself every time when Johnny says Rashad Penny's name. Yeah, so. I like this team balance-wise. I think it's it's well put together. I just think it's it's very well balanced, and that tends to happen when you're drafting in the middle. We've talked about that over the cap, uh, last couple of weeks. You know, when you draft in the middle, you can kind of not get caught reaching for any guy, particularly like you may get caught on the ends. Um, I, I like. Grabbing Russell Wilson that late kind of just is is the 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 cherry well, on top. Yeah, so. that was thanks to you guys because you took Lamar and Herbert, which were the two options that I wanted. John, you got like this bad boy team going for it. They're like like they're <laughs> like like it's kind of cool, and it's like like it's it's a fun team right here. Um, but like DeAndre Swift, I mean, we've said a lot of a lot of the things going on, but like with Kareem Hunt and uh, Odell OBJ, Beckham, yeah. OBJ, uh, Antonio Marquise Brown, Brown, Marquise yeah. Brown. It's like it's yeah. like some guys who like roll up into the club and you're like you're a little intimidated, but then like it. when they like maybe maybe uh, like a pop goes off and those guys are the ones who are like the most scared. They're like, yeah, I'm actually as hard as you guys front to be. And they're like, no, yeah. man, we just like the jacket. There's one point you brought up that I want to throw out. And for people who don't play Dynasty, this is something to think about. You mentioned that you added Alexander Madison for kind of like late sneaky value. Mm-hmm. Another great move in doing that for me, who drafted Dalvin Cook, you now have an instant trade piece that I want. And so you and I can immediately start talking trades. And for those who haven't played dynasty, another big part of trading in dynasty is you're trading future rookie picks. So he doesn't even necessarily have to love a player on my team. He certainly loves my second round pick next year. And that's something he could just turn an 11th round pick this year into one of the top 20 rookies from next year. So great great point. point. I love that one. And the value of that handcuff only goes up for the guy holding the handcuff. And the guy who's holding, in this case, Dalvin Cook, every game, he gets more nervous if he's going to miss a game, if something's going to happen. And then Madison comes in and all of a sudden does so well, he starts earning actual work time. And then that Dalvin Cook guy's like, gosh, why didn't I get him when the value was lower? All right, big Travi. All right, so I drafted from the fifth spot, um, half PPR. So I, I went with Alvin Kamara. I think, you know, obviously we're a little bit worried um, if we have a situation um, – where now I'm blanking on his name, where it's not Jameis Winston, but uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. And we've, we saw what Taysom Hill did with Kamara, or lack, lack of better words, didn't do. 
Um, so there is some concern there, but I think that, you know, should he be the starter, Sean Payton will find ways to make Taysom Hill get Alvin Kamara the ball. Like that was a small sample size. I, I have to have faith in Alvin Kamara's talent here. Austin Eckler uh, was my next pick. Just the youth there, the contract they gave him. Uh, Justin Herbert in the lineup did great things for Austin Eckler. I, I like the pick here. He was one of the better guys in the second round that I wanted to go with someone established and, and I knew could be a vein of the offense. And then it was just three straight wide receivers that I knew were going to be you know, big parts of their offense. Calvin Ridley, Mike Evans, you know, in, the fifth is Mike Evans yeah. in the fifth is my third wide receiver, especially, you know, Ryan, if, if Godwin does pace, chase that paycheck, we saw Evans get it going with Tom Brady down the stretch. Like there is going to be some great chemistry there rolling into the, the next year. I like that. And then Ronald Jones, I think I was pretty proud of this. If Fournette were to leave as well, I like, yeah. you know, Ronald Jones to see an increase in touches. And, and as my third running back, I love that. And then we talked about the debacle, Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. Jackson, man, I was ready to take Herbert in the sixth, uh, but I wanted to see how it played out. And so I ended up getting Lamar Jackson. You know, I, I, you know, worst things could have happened there. Chase Edmonds kind of fallen as well. If, you know, we saw Cliff Kingsbury last week talking about Chase Edmonds capable of being a starting running back. We know that they like him there. Should Drake uh, move on? And then I just wanted to stack, stack guys with upside. That's Henry Ruggs, Noah Fant, Kylan Hill, Evan Ingram, um, Keyshawn Vaughn to kind of protect the Ronald Jones pick. Um, and then I like Mike Williams down here in the 14th as well. I think that Mike Williams, you know, with another full year, hopefully with Justin Herbert, we saw him kind of get going a little bit uh, before he got banged up. And hopefully uh, and not just, a torn labrum. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That guy's just so ready to be a great football player, just like has not had it all click. And I just think yeah. like he's so talented um, mm-hmm. and with a good quarterback. That could be good. And then Baker is a backup quarterback. And K.J. Hamler, I think, is just a, a second year guy that could could pop off next year. And in the 16th, I wasn't. I just I, I like this team. I thought it was pretty well balanced. I, I love this team. Love the team. Yeah, I think this team is absolutely nasty. The, the floor's a little bit potentially low, but this is a championship-level team for me. Just like with the pack there, Calvin really Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. Like, There's all these worlds where Mike Evans could have his best year of his career next mm. year. Calvin Ridley as well. Like This dude is leveling up so quick. Yeah. And Keenan Allen showed no signs of regression. And when his connection there with Justin Herbert was like the good games, it was scary. Like 20 freaking targets? Like yeah. stupid yeah. stuff. Video game stuff. And you made there Austin on Mike Evans. Sorry, Johnny. Like I'd love to see what Randy Moss's age was going into that year with Brady. Not saying it's going to be exactly the, the same output, but like Randy Moss wasn't exactly a spring chicken when he got with Brady. No. Um, and so like my, not Mike Evans is probably a little younger, but Mike Evans still very young, you know, 26, I think. Yeah. And he's seven. So yeah. As proven a commodity that exists at wide receivers. Yeah, exactly. Never had under a thousand yards receiving yards. And he's the only player to do it seven straight years. I got to admit, uh, big Travi the last two weeks, man, has really as you know, we get a couple guests on and all of a sudden this guy starts mock drafting like uh, (laughs) quieter over there, too. I'm like, where's he? Where's all the the famous chit chat from Chavi? No. Yes. Wait a second. I want to give everybody their take. You know, I want to stand back a little let him shine uh, oh unbelievable hey jay yeah. blizzy is not in this draft i think he's been helping out big travi i don't i don't think <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been yeah it's my surrogate drafter over there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. i've never seen jay blizzy before i know he's got curly yeah. hair so could, be, could yeah. be you never seen us in the same room have you yeah. <laughs> no, never save the best for last year ryan bring us home here on the get or on the host takes 
So with with Dynasty, I don't go deep at running back typically, but I try to get my guys early. And so I mentioned before I chose the one three because there were three running backs I wanted and the two I wanted more went ahead of Dalvin Cook. But I love everything Dalvin Cook. I love everything about Minnesota's doing around him. Obviously, injury concerns. But as 2020 proved, everybody has an injury concern. So I'm not going to fret. I'm just going to take a guy who has a great nose for the end zone. And then I got to back that up with Miles Sanders. Uh, new offense there, an offense that we saw make Jonathan Taylor, great. Marlon Mack, the great the year before that. I think Sanders is going to have his best season um, in this new Philly offense as long as they can do something about that offensive line. And then things just fell into my lap because if I can get DeAndre Hopkins, who's tied to Kyler Murray for the next five to seven years as my wide receiver one in the third round, I am a okay with that. Uh, we talked about DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is 23 years old. If I'm if I'm not wrong, he's the perfect dynasty pick at this point in the draft. And so I, I will rarely take a rookie running back as my RB2. It was the same game plan I had with Jonathan Taylor last year. I've heard nothing but great things about this Javante Williams. And again, not a big college guy, but people who I value, essentially the entire staff over at Ball Blast Football loves Javante Williams. And he was sitting there for me in the fifth. I figured, why not? Uh, next round was able to land Adam Thielen this late in the draft. It, it's up there, not quite with the Mike Evans value, but Julio Jones went a few picks after the, or a few picks before this. I would have loved to have gotten Julio this late. Um, Thielen is a guy who does it year in, year out. There are two wide receiver team. I'm not worried about him. I, Justin Jefferson can shine and Adam Thielen can shine. Um, we already talked about Justin Herbert versus Lamar Jackson. I love Justin Herbert. Got him in almost all my rookie drafts last year and tend on having him in a lot of redraft leagues this year. Tyler Boyd in a half PPR uh, tied to Joe Burrow. Going to be a great player. And then this is where I had earmarked quarterbacks, especially in a dynasty that I wanted. And they had all went except for Jalen Hurts. So while I don't love taking back to back quarterbacks three rounds apart from each other, the guys who I wanted Outside of this, there was nobody. So I knew I needed to get him now before I didn't get a chance to get him. Now, it turns out no quarterback went between now and my next other pick. So I don't know how big of a need that was, but I still got my guy. So now I have two young quarterbacks that are starters of what should be two good offenses. And that's kind of big for me. And don't think about it as a redraft. I have these guys forever now, unless I decide to trade one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, running back dried up quickly, as we all knew it would. So I grabbed James Conner just because he's proven he can do it. I don't know where he's going to end up. This could be a completely wasted pick, but there was nobody there I wanted more. Philip Lindsay, another guy. He's proven he could do it. I believe he's a restricted free agent, so he may end up back in Denver, but I think he's a guy a team could take a chance on. What's funny is we had um, Kate from Ball Blast on. She's a big Pittsburgh fan. Lindsay is a guy I would love to see end up in Pittsburgh. I think he has the playing oh. style. I think he's a guy who would fit into that offense greatly. So if he ends up in the right situation, Philip Lindsay could be a steal this late. We talked about Sterling Shepard, target monster. And then I had to get into my tight ends. And like I said, in a dynasty, it's hard to stream tight ends. So you need to make sure you land guys. So I got Logan Thomas, you know, just the tight end five the last year in the 13th round of the draft. Um, and then two rounds later, grab Blake Jarwin, a guy I was huge on. Uh, Dallas's offense produced a great, a decent tight end in Dalton Schultz. That was all supposed to be Jarwin, and it would have been better if Jarwin was in there. And then just in case they don't work out, I have Rob Gronkowski, and we know he's going to score a touchdown every other week, especially if Godwin does chase the bag. 
Uh, in between all that, was able to add T.Y. Hilton. Aging guy, I think he probably ends up back in Indy, um, especially now that they have a quarterback. So I'm interested to see if he comes back to play with Carson Wentz. But if he ends up in the right situation, if he ends up the wide receiver across from Terry McLaurin or the wide receiver across from Devontae Parker in Washington or Dallas, uh, Miami, I think that could work out very well for his value. And it's going to help that whatever quarterback he's playing with at that point. Love that. Did you like T.Y. even if he stays in Indy? Only because I, I'm not as high on Michael Pittman as others. Um, I'm not saying Michael Pittman's a bad player, but I think T.Y. would end up being the security blanket to Carson Wentz. He's going to be an underneath route kind of guy. I think they're going to ask him to change his game. I don't believe Paris Campbell is going to be able to stay healthy and do anything. So I do think if T.Y. stays in Indy and has Carson Wentz on the ball, to him, it could work out for him. Yeah, I think this team's really good, Ryan. I, yeah. I like the double quarterback, the plethora of tight ends. It really helped to balance out. Um, I'd say maybe a little bit wide receiver scares me just a little bit. Yeah, but absolutely. other than that, I think it's it's really well put together. Yeah, I think avoiding the rookie wide receivers here just gave him a really strong team, especially mm-hmm. for this year. And you can layer up the rookies in the years to come. But this is the only time yeah. where you can get as many proven commodities. And to be able to get T.Y. Hilton this late when he could very well, I'm not surprised if he's a wide receiver two next year. That's a phenomenal right. pickup that you're able to get that late just because everyone starts thinking of like the future, the future, the future. And you're like, and that's one thing you notice in these startup drafts all the time. And you, we kind of talked about this on Mike Evans, and I briefly brought his name up. Julio Jones plummets in startup dynasty drafts. And it's like people forget that Julio Jones is very good at football. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. Love well, those not- takes. Go ahead, Johnny. Well, and I, I just wanted to, to say that, like, the way he built his team, it's kind of nice where, you know, Travis had some questions on the wide receivers. But when you're looking at a dynasty as a tip, like, it's easier to find the wide receivers on the waiver, even in a dynasty league, than it is a running back. So uh, I, I think that you and Javante Williams, we're, we're big fans of Javante Williams okay. on this show as well. So I like your team. I think you did a really good Perfect. job. I love when smart people are all agree on a player. It makes things very easy for me because like I don't I don't dig as deep on rookies, but I take a lot of other people's opinions to help form my opinion in the good and the bad. But everybody really seems to be agreeing on this kid makes it easier when you uh, when you're wrong, too. Yeah, at least everybody was wrong with you. Exactly. Nobody's coming for your throat at that point. And that chatter before we start breaking down the rest of Whisper Nation who drafted along here with us, I just wanted to add, what's up, Stro? Stro, yeah. here with us. Love that. Um, You know, the the one thing added, we talk a lot about the commentary coming in on these players and in Dynasty, especially early on, that commentary holds more weight than people might want to accept because we're talking lifetime on these players and Mm -hmm. a guy like there's a known reality that most rookies actually don't do that well. And you're going to kind of wait until their second or third year before you really get critical on how well they're doing. So if you draft a guy who everybody's like, this guy's great, but then his rookie year isn't so good. It doesn't mean he's, he's, he's done now. Like he can actually hold like maybe 85, 90% of what that reputation was, even with a somewhat flop rookie year, just because everyone knows rookies sometimes take some time. I want to throw a guy out that plays into that example and you can go get him right now for way cheaper than you should be. And that's Jerry Judy. Um, Everybody feels like he had a down rookie season, which wide receivers tend to do. Drew Locke is not the best quarterback and we don't know how long he's going to be stuck with him. But Jerry Judy is an excellent wide receiver. You have to remember how much you loved him last year because he's not going to become a worse player. He is going to become a better player and he's hopefully going to drag Drew Locke up or maybe they go out and get a quarterback. But regardless, Jerry 
Judy is an undervalued asset in Dynasty right now. The second wide receiver taken, right? Yeah. yeah. Last year? Yeah. yeah. High, high, high talent. Great points there. Well, let's go ahead now and take a look at how the rest of Whisper Nation did drafting. Um, I'll go ahead. I started this off on the our own rundowns. I'll, I'll go ahead and take this. Should we go with Easy Daddy first? Johnny's got it selected. He went 1-1. Christian McCaffrey, not a issue with that pick in any dimension. Um, Najee Harris there to close out the second, going on an upside rookie play. Jamar Chase, really high upside on these rookies, but as Ryan had pointed out, it's, it's tough with rookies because their landing spot is so critical. And then Kyle Pitts, we all love the prospect there. A lot of great places he could land. What if he lands in a place that ain't so great, though? Gives me a little pause. Trevor Lawrence, we know where he's going. I think he's a fine prospect looking forward. Um, but I'm in no world am I taking Trevor Lawrence before Justin Herbert Lamar Jackson. <laughs> um, I'm just – I've just seen too many first-round busts. It just happens. Like we just we, – we can't – think of everything in probability. There's no yep. such thing as 100%. There's no such thing as 0% in fantasy football. Um, I, I, I just that just really concerns me. You're, you need him to be one of the best rookie quarterbacks of all time for that to justify that pick right there. Yeah. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, two running backs. I like Melvin Gordon actually. Leonard Fournette, it's a decent enough pick where it's not. I don't have an issue with it, but we don't know where he's going to end up. But I do like Leonard Fournette's prospects moving forward. I think he's a good, a decent running back who's got a lot of anger in his feet, and uh, he's just coming off a good Super Bowl performance. Will Fuller, another guy who doesn't necessarily have a team, but we like the talent. Don't like the suspension. Aaron Rodgers is going to be fine for you next year. So I kind of actually like that Trevor Lawrence pick now more, given that you got Aaron Rodgers so late last year. Yeah. This draft where he's going to have a great year next year, I think. Um, Van Jefferson, whatever. Robert Tunyon, okay. Um, Gabriel Davis, Paris Campbell. I had Paris Campbell in my dynasty league, and I'm not stoked on it. I hope I'm wrong. Um, Lynn Bowden, that's going to be a, a – I think a gadget player for the rest of his life that's always going to leave you disappointed. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, we'll see. Uh, and Gus Edwards, perennial vulture. You know, Easy Daddy, he's had some really good drafts with us. Um, it's my soft way of saying He's building for the future, one. I'd say, on this. He's definitely trying to build for the future. Definitely, definitely, definitely building for the future here. Definitely, He didn't grab any – he's not playing for now at all. There isn't any backside guys except for Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, this team isn't going to, this team is probably missing the playoffs this year and you need a lot of things to work out for it to be a strong team in the future. We need, I'm not worried about Jamar Chase, not as worried about Najee Harris, but I still need to see where they land. I still need to see how they perform. Um, I'm, I gotta, I'm going to go with, with, this is like a C. The fact that it's three wide receivers and I don't, there's not three wide receivers on this team. I'm comfortable starting. <laughs> yeah, that's being point. nice too because yeah, it's 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 a, it's a C minus here. But I just like look at the starting. Who's your starting situation here? Chris McCaffrey, Najee Harris, Melvin Gordon. It's not bad. It's not it's not great after Chris McCaffrey. Three wide receivers. Paris Campbell. We don't even know if he's going to start. Will Fuller. He's yeah. not going to be starting. Sir Roland Von Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Ugh, that's yeah. that's not a good. You're not striking fear in any opponent's hearts. Probably striking uh, fear in your own. One thing I'll bring up, I think I I forget the guy's name that was in the chat harassing us the whole time, Matt. Uh, yeah. Matt brought up a good point that if you combine it with what Easy Daddy did, it, it makes sense. A lot of things you'll see in Dynasty drafts are people trading back to accumulate picks or even to yeah. start accumulating rookie picks already. And if you could get these rookies later, if you really wanted Kyle Pitch to Chase, Trevor Lawrence, you trade out of that 3-1 spot to accumulate picks in later rounds and accumulate more things, and that could work out for your favor. Obviously, we weren't doing that in this mock draft, but so the strategy looks 
awful, just <laughs> as nicely <laughs> as possible. I love the running backs. I actually think Melvin Gordon and Leonard Fournette, 27 years old, 26 years old, respectively, in the sixth and seventh round. I think Fournette's going to be a starter somewhere. I think th- those could work out really well for him. And in a real league, maybe he trades those to get a real wide receiver because right now the wide receivers are terrifying. Hey, work out your stuff. Don't even worry about these grades because that's all we're doing is getting used yep. to trying different outfits on. Well, and that was that was Easy's point. You know, Matt was coming for him in the chat a little bit, and Easy's like, "Hey, man, we're we're just mocking here. We're practicing. We're getting it done, and we're just mocking around, dude." Yeah, a bunch of guys just mocking around. All right, I'll take uh, the news. I'll break his team down. Um, he took Jonathan Taylor in the two spot. Uh, we like that pick. No craziness. Uh, not too too crazy. Maybe Dalvin. But uh, and then he went Cam Akers, Josh Jacobs. You got to like his first three running backs off the board. He took DJ Chark in the fourth, Darren Waller in the fifth. Then you took Robert Woods, Cortland Sutton, Debo Samuel, and Denzel Mims uh, in round six, seven, eight, and nine. Took uh, Tyreek Cohen uh, in t- in the tenth round. Then he grabbed two quarterbacks back to rack in the eleventh and twelfth, and Justin Fields and Ryan Tannehill. And then in the 13th, 14th, and 15th, he grabbed tight ends and Cole, uh, Cole Clement, Zach Ertz, and Jonu Smith. And then he grabbed uh, J.D. McKissick uh, in the 16th round. Listen, I like this draft. I, I like what he did. Um, I A lot of the wide receivers that he grabbed were ones that I was looking at. I thought he got really good value on them. Um, I, I think he's set for running backs for a while. Uh, and as a, you know, in a dynasty running backs, especially those that are like bell cow type are hard to come by. I like this draft. I think I'd give them, I haven't looked at extensively the other teams yet. So I'm just going to, I'll give them an A minus with the, with the little uh, asterisks that it could potentially be an A. I just haven't seen the other teams in extent. You great on a curve, Johnny. You're, yeah. You're willing to bring <laughs> it down. Technically. 100%. Okay. 100%. I, I, I really like this team. And like the one weakness you could say is the wide receiver position. But then I like what he did to just go through a slew of wide receivers to try and make up for that deficiency. So, yeah, you may not like DJ Shark or maybe you're low on Cortland Sutton. But now he's got five guys to fill the three starting spots. Um, And I think that some combination of those could work out. Will you make the right choices? We'll see. But I think because they listen to the fancy whispers. (laughs) Right, exactly. So I think, you know, the top heaviness with the running backs and then also Darren Waller there really helps his his uh, prospects exactly. and then i just love taking ryan Tannehill. he was going to be my backup yeah. here but i love the ryan Tannehill pick i think that's going to set him up really nice especially with justin fields right getting that right. he's coming in but the Tannehill exactly. we, that should be fine for you this year and the next year and even if justin fields pans like falls flat you've got Tannehill yeah. for a while we were talking about guys that could maybe have burned you last year, but maybe, you know, bounce back the following year. Jonu Smith is one of those guys for me. Yeah. I'm really excited about to see what Jonu Smith can put together next year. Maybe the inconsistencies of being the number one guy got to him a little bit last year, but that guy was on a pace to really be a mover and shaker at the tight end position last year. Yeah. I recently did a Twitter poll about where people would like to see him land, and Arizona came up a lot, and I think that would yeah. be awesome spot Ooh, yeah. for him they've they've talked about him here on the on the radio a couple of times which makes me think that uh there have been discussions within arizona um because uh dan uh, now i forget dan arnold, arnold. is he's gone yep. and so uh and you saw like a rapport that kyler liked to use the tight end so i would absolutely love it if Joni smith came here that would that would be awesome all right all i think right. i'll Step up, take Brocal 38 here. Um, 
Devontae Adams, this one got a lot of heat from the chat uh, as being a reach here at 1-4. And I, I could see a situation where you're like maybe trying to get another running back in here before there. But like what he did as far as three elites go, we talk about this strategy a lot. Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Josh Allen. Um, you're pretty looking pretty nice in, in a um, – in a dynasty with those pillars to kind of build around. And I love Josh Allen. I think he's just took an amazing step last year. So that's exciting to see there. But then I have a little bit of questions uh, at past this. Chris Carson, Devonta Smith, then Kenyon Drake, who we, we just don't really know what's going to happen with Kenyon Drake and if he'll be efficient enough in, in whatever position he's in to to warrant that pick there. Cooper Cup, uh, Michael Carter, and Tylon, uh, Tylon Wallace, both rookies there. Then we had Jamison Crowder. Irv Smith we talked a little bit about, so kind of a nice pick as your backup tight end there. We like that. Zach Wilson is a quarterback a lot of people are high on here coming out of uh, Brigham Young, so we'll see how where he lands and what that looks like. Um, he's got Amon Ross St. Brown there, another rookie. Mac Jones, another rookie. Uh, I don't even know how to say it. Ramondre Stevenson, that's another rookie as well. And then Devin DuVernay. So I think he went heavy youth, especially in the back end here after building a very top-heavy squad. Look, I love those pillars to start with, uh, but the running back depth, the wide receiver depth, scare me uh, like greatly in this team, especially starting three wide receivers. I have to go with a C here. C-plus I'll give him just because I do like the, the three elites, but I don't, I don't think I can give him anything better than that. There's just no value right here, right? Like It's, it's like nobody fell to you. It was like a reach for your guy at every spot. Even like right. I like Josh Allen, but you take him in the third round right. in a dynasty startup. Like when you're able to get Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, you know, so much later. Um, and just Travis look at all Kelsey. the wide receivers that went that round too. Sorry, Austin. Yeah, yeah. Like Calvin Ridley, Ceedee Lamb, Michael Thomas, all behind that Josh Allen pick. Like you could have really set yourself up to have some depth, especially where you're starting three wide receivers. Ryan's talked about how hard it is for those running backs. Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, and Michael Carter. Those are your are your starting running backs right now. Exactly. You're not you're not building for the future. You're not building for now. You're digging I out mean, of a hole. Yeah, two of your running backs don't have teams, or technically all three have no team right now. So right. Yeah. Yeah. awful situation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next one. So I think that's Mr. Mr. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely adore this team. Uh, literally, if it's almost like they took a diagram of how to draft a <laughs> dynasty team. So you start off with Saquon Barkley and J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins, arguably my second favorite uh, rookie running back, Saquon Barkley. If it wasn't for his injury last year, Saquon Barkley is easily the 102, 103 at worst, and you just got him at 1-6. Um, you back that up with just amazing youth at wide receiver. Um, three second-year wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, who all – showed they could do it last year already. Um, assuming Dak re-signs, CD and Higgins are both tied to young wide or young quarterbacks. But then my favorite pick of his team, and we've already alluded to it, was then backing all of that up by landing Julio Jones in the sixth round. Julio Jones is still going to be a very startable fantasy asset next season, but he's going to have to pick his pick his battles. We kind of talked about this starting the right one, but there are worse problems to have than choosing the right three of these four wide receivers. And if you play the other guy in your flex spot, Rashad Bateman landing spots going to come in big, but I've seen a, a, Twitter's kind of torn on him. Um, I've seen a lot of people really high, a lot of people really low. I think landing spots going to be the most important factor for him. Joe Burrow, you want him to bounce back healthy, but in a dynasty league, you're not worried about the first three games of next season. You're worried about the next three to four years. That's a great pick there. Back to running back because he obviously needed depth. He hasn't taken a running back since the Dobbins pick in the second round. He grabs rookie Jamar Jefferson. Landing spot again is going to be big, but 
David Johnson is a guy he just landed in the 10th round who's going to okay. provide excellent depth for at least the next one to two seasons. He just signed, re-signed with Houston. He's there for at least one more year. They're not going to have many other weapons. So go ahead and land David Johnson. Now he's going to be great if something happens to da- uh, Saquon or Dobbins. Jalen Rager, we don't know what we had out of Jalen Rager. He showed flashes last year. Um, you obviously hope it's going to get better. He's a second-year player with his quarterback. There should be some rapport there. Dallas Goddard, excellent tight end pickup this late, especially if they release Zach Ertz, which everyone expects them to. Now, all of a sudden, he's the main show in town. It's going to be great. But this was a great pick as well. Matt Stafford should be fantastic with the Rams. I mean, maybe not fantastic, but a back-end QB1, and you're going to be able to start him for those first five weeks while you're waiting to see what you have out of Burrow. We touched on Troutman. Troutman was a guy I was really interested in. Basically, uh, me seeks here just got a lot of the guys that I was hoping fell to me three picks later. <laughs> um, Troutman with Jared Cook being released is going to be an excellent tandem to go with Goddard where you're only going to have to pick one of them. Everybody, we talked about Rashad Penny. DJ Dallas could be the thorn in Rashad Penny's side. DJ Dallas was a guy Ooh. they drafted in the mm-hmm. fourth round last year, somewhere in there. Um, looked great coming out of Miami, and I think he's going to be a player who they're going to want to get involved. They found a lot of ways to get him involved as a rookie, and that was with Chris Carson in town. If Chris Carson's gone and they don't bring in a big name, I think Dallas is going to be there. And then Marlon Mack. He's such a tough call, but in the 16th round, you're not worried about it. It's an Achilles injury. You have no idea he's gonna, how he's going to bounce back. You have no idea where he's going to land. I don't think he's going to be much for you next year. But if he has one or two good games, he's an excellent trade piece, and you got him in the 16th mm-hmm. round. Um, I don't see a lot of problems with this team. Running back depth is a little bit of an issue, especially for a dynasty team. So that kind of knocked him out of the A column for me. It's definitely a B, and I'm probably leaning towards B plus just because of what he did at wide receiver and running back with those first six picks. Yeah, that was a good call, I think, to knock him out of A. Because I was ready, like after you broke it down, I was ready to give him the A, but I do you you brought up the depth at running back is just kind of a little yeah. bit shitty. Good team that can grow into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really good. So I'm next. I'm taking up Jake Blay, our number one fan. And then we'll get Hello, How Are You and and Reed Tyler, because we did have one auto drafted one in there. But we've got here Jacob Blay at the eighth spot, took Mr. 2000, Derek Henry, followed by Antonio Gibson, second year halfback. And George Kittle, he got in the third. It's nice. Uh, Terry McLaren, Amari Cooper, and Juju Smith Schuster for a trio of wide receivers. Raheem Mostert's going to be his third halfback. Dak Prescott, as of now, is his starting QB. He's got Robbie Anderson as his fourth wide receiver. Tony Pollard there. Hanging around Nicole Hardman and Darius Slayton for depth. Darionton Evans, second-year running back. Didn't see a lot of what he was about last year with Tennessee, but they were high on him coming into the draft. He never really got a chance to see what he was about. Uh, Trey Lance, rookie quarterback, coming in. Damian Williams and Austin Hooper to close it out. I think that when you look at it, we look at now, his, rookie, his running backs, Antonio Gibson, Derrick Henry, it's good. Um, his starting wide receivers, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster. If Terry McLaurin takes a jump, it's very good. As of right now, it's you're pretty happy. It could beat any probably trio. It won't beat the best ones, but it's a respectable squad that depending on where they land and develop could turn into something more. I don't think that they're going to regress too much more. I think that their, their starting point is pretty good with a lot of upside for those three wide receivers. Raheem Mostert, when he was there and he was playing, he was the guy. Um, he's got more sneaky physicals that, that kind of go underrated. Um, you know, definitely uh, somebody who's got a lot of competition over there, and he is 28 years old, but um, I don't hate that as your third running back. Um, Dak Prescott, we'll see how he bounces back, but that could be nice. Um, Robbie Anderson, we talked a lot about. 
uh, the the underrated ability for him. We'll see how the quarterback situation over there. Mecole Hardman should take a bump up. Darius Slayton, we'll see. And then some depth here in the backside. I I got no issues with this team. I think it's a very uh, strength at running back. I don't have a lot of holes at the wide receiver. Question marks at quarterback. This is like a it's a very strong B team that I'm not surprised if it's a quickly an A, an A minus, um, depending on really what happens to those rookie wide receivers. But then also the positional advantage with George Kittle. I, I really, it's, it's not as sexy of a team to me, but I think it's a pretty solid team. I'm closer to B plus for me. Yeah, I, I'm not, I mean, if all things considered, maybe it's Dak's health. Yeah. But if, and it's the fact that the, you know, he's definitely got a great starting roster. It's like, it's, it's really close to an A for me. Like, I think you, you hit it on the head there. Like, it's, this is really close to an A. Just yeah. has like, a couple questions on Terry and then Juju, like a landing spot for Juju and what happens there. But man, it's good. I'm kind of hot on Juju. I think Juju's going to have a, a good year next year. That's just my own, my own gut. Well, and like Moser could be a sneaky pick because uh, Coleman and McKinnon should both be gone. We don't know if either will resign, but they still and have Jefferson or Jeff Wilson. Sorry. No, he. Uh, they brought him back. I thought. Oh, so they did bring him yeah. back. Yeah. So oh, Wilson is I was back. expecting him to go to the Jets. No, Wilson is back, and then Jamichael Hasty they got as a UDFA. I imagine he'll be back in some form next year. So I think Raheem Mostert could be a sneaky value, and then Tony Pollard. If and I don't think this is true, but if Zeke did fall off of a cliff last year, and what we saw did not have to do with Dak Prescott, it had to do with Zeke. Tony Pollard is going to continue to see playing time growth, and he is going to be a very sneaky value in that offense. I really like that. I like that two cents. Very good. Uh, all right, I will break down. Hello, how are you? Um, I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know about this team though. Uh, in the, I'm just kidding. I haven't even gone through it. Uh, I was so, like, wow. <laughs> I haven't even gone through it. Uh, all right. So we had CEH at the 109 pick. Uh, uh, Stefan Diggs in the second round. Chris Godwin in the third round. Uh, Travis Etienne in the fourth. Jerry Judy in the fifth. Deshaun Watson in the sixth. Jalen Waddle, Rondell Moore in the seventh and eighth round took Damian Harris, who I really wanted uh, in the ninth. Darnell Mooney in the tenth, Tua Tagovailoa in the eleventh, then Brev Brevin Jordan in the twelfth. Pat, uh, I'm not even. I, I'm just going to call him Pat. Pat in the tight end. Thank yeah. From yeah, say that. Friar. Yeah, thank you. Um, and then Todd Gurley in the 14th and Anthony McFarlane uh, and Le'Veon Bell in the 15th and 16th. Not a – I like I like some pieces, but I, I don't know if it's going to be one of the top four teams. I think this is a solid team. Um, I, I think that, you know, obviously Jalen Waddell, Rondell Moore, those are going to be big uh, pieces that you need to figure out where the location is or where they drafted took a lot of rookies. Um, so generally the, probably the frame of mind was he wants to try to compete, but um, I don't know, B minus. That's what I would do. B minus. Yeah. I don't have a major argument with that grade. I think I'd probably still go C plus. I, I'm a little bit, 
hesitant. I, I, it's just hard for me to grade some of these teams with heavy rookie influence when we don't know where they're at. Yeah. Um, so that's just it just gets a little tough for me to grade. I think that's all it is really for me. The running backs just terrify me. They could be great, but they just terrify me. Yeah. All right. Reed Tyler. I'll let uh, Ryan, why don't you take Reed Tyler? I was going to say, I don't yeah, want to step you, on any toes. Yeah, it's up to you guys. Like, <laughs> take, take, take us home. So obviously, um, picking at the back end of the draft, running backs tend to dry up quickly. That's redraft. That's dynasty. But you got Tyreek Hill and then come around on the corner and get Justin Jefferson to back it up. You have two young wide receivers tied to very good quarterbacks. Justin Jefferson, I think, just had the best rookie season of a wide receiver ever. And then you come back around and grab Kyler Murray in the third. Um, We kind of, you know, Josh Allen in the third, Kyler Murray in the third. It feels early because he's at the back end. It's definitely reach for your guy. I might have waited, grabbed. I mean, you've got Aaron Jones in the next round. I don't know. I might have waited around on the quarterback, but Kyler Murray is super young, super exciting offense. He's a rushing quarterback, which is the cheat code in fantasy. I don't mind getting him. I just don't know that it, seeing how the quarterbacks played out. I don't know that I would want him in the third round Um, running back is where things again, get a little terrifying for me. Um, Aaron Jones. I absolutely adore. It's going to come down to where he plays. I hope he's in green Bay or Miami. If it's one of those two spots, I think he's a top five running back and you just got a top five running back in the fourth round of a fantasy draft. Not to mention, it's not like he's old. He's 26 years old. The wall for running back seems to be 30. And because of how green Bay's used him, he doesn't have a ton of tread on his tires. Mark Andrews, this is the wrong person to be grading your team. I am fully <laughs> off of the Mark Andrews bus. I am now. Last year, I would have told you that there were four elite tight ends, Waller, Kelsey, Kittle, and Andrews. There are now three elite tight ends, and I am not going to be drafting Mark Andrews at pretty much any cost that he is available. Could he bounce back? Absolutely. He's tied to a young quarterback, which is important in fantasy. I just want nothing to do with him. Definitely not in the fifth round. Miles Gaskin looked great last year. If he is the starter, Miami tends to use their starting running back way more than most teams in the NFL. If he's the guy, he's going to be great. Is he though? But man, did you redeem yourself grabbing Tyler Lockett, Michael Pittman in the seventh and eighth round. Uh, Trey Sermon as a rookie running back, Naheem Hines, then Curtis Samuel, Brandon Cook. So two running backs, two wide receivers. Hayden Hurst is your backup tight end, which is hilarious because they used to play with each other. And I actually had these guys on a fantasy team at one point. So I was (laughs) so happy when Hurst went to Atlanta. Christian Kirk, if he stays the number two in Arizona, I love. Kirk Cousins as your backup to Kyler Murray. You could do far worse than Kirk Cousins, who is a perennial top 12 quarterback in your getting him in the 15th round and it's not like he's leaving anytime soon he's 32 years old um and then cole beasley to end the draft great filler piece he's going to be a great bye week fill in but you're so good at wide receiver i probably would have went with another position here you didn't really need the wide receiver value um just like with hello how are you the Running backs terrify me outside of Aaron Jones, who is one of my favorite backs in the league. And I actually love Miles Gaskin. I just don't think he's going to be the starter anymore. Mm. So Jones is probably going to be a top five, top 10 talent, no matter where he ends up. Gaskin could literally fall off the map because if they get a running back there, maybe Aaron Jones, Gaskin's not going to see the ball unless Jones gets hurt. So now all of a sudden you have the same running back for one team as your one and two. Naheem Hines role should be secure, but he's not a guy you want to start at RB2 every week. It's such a rough team. And then the reach for Mark Andrews, when you could have been loading up on running backs, you're so good at wide receiver. You're solid at quarterback. There were a few reaches to get your guy. I would probably give this a B minus C plus just because of my hate for the running backs. So. 
Yeah, I'm with a B minus on on. I agree yeah, you might be one. going a little too harsh on my boy Mark Andrews, but I understand being burned yeah. by a guy. So <laughs> yeah, I, I like I said, where I, you're at. Mentally. That probably cost yeah. you half a letter grade right there. Just because <laughs> and I, I will, I will say it, it's. It, I would, I would say it's not all on Mark Andrews. I think a little bit is on Lamar. So I think if Lamar can fix that, then Mark Andrews will be just fine. But yeah, yeah. my biggest question is, can he be? an alpha or is he just going to be the leader of the betas which is kind of what we see in the tight end world is there's yeah. there's all these alphas and then there's just a lot of guys you can maybe start every week right. my question is not per se can he be it's will baltimore's offense allow him to be is there's that kind he's of. like the best flex tight end i've ever seen and that is like that yeah. high up low floor he can get you 20 points. He could get you two catches, you know, for 15 yeah. yards. Like, unlike any yeah. guy I've ever really seen. So it's just, is he going to get the work or not? It's hard to say with Lamar Jackson. Man, we did it. We did another mock draft yeah. Monday. So grateful for our host, our guest, our guest host here, Ryan Weiss, to join in the panel um, at the Fantasy Five. It's been, we do this every Monday. Love to have Whisper Nation jumping in with us. Make sure that you follow on Twitter. Uh, like and subscribe on all the platforms, YouTube, Instagram, our Twitter as well, so you can catch them coming with us and maybe draft with us next week. Ryan, you want to give them a quick plug on the way out and where they can follow you at and make sure to stay up to date? You know, my Twitter handle's in my my picture here. If you're not on here, it's the Fantasy 5 FIVE, but I'm going to hit you with the same plug I've hit you with before. Go follow the Speakeasy FF, International Women's Day. Support women in sports. Support women in your life. So most wholesome, best, well-rounded guest we've had, and I don't care if any of our other people are listening. <laughs> <laughs> Final thoughts? Only this one. was a blast. Mock draft all year long. It's how you're going to get better. I'm Austin Sear, Ryan, Johnny Game Time Hicks, or Big Travi. We're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.